Well, I'm ready to go. Are you ready to listen? <laughs> Are you ready to dial in and say g'day? Go on, I dare you. Hey, this is Luke Boner. It's the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Another week, another day. It is Monday, January 29. And it looks like being a fairly warm week. The cyclone Kiralee has petered off, but did create some damage. And to our listeners in far north Queensland that were affected, I'd love you to call and tell me, how did you survive? What happened? How devastating was it? Was there any, any damage at all to report? Call in and tell us how your weekend was. 13353 is the number, and uh, there's lots to talk about. Uh, how did you go on Australia Day? Did you feel guilty about celebrating? Did the wokeness get to you, or did you enjoy a day that's supposed to bring us all together? I was really amazed to read about how much violence there was on Australia Day, on the Friday. There was a brawl in Sydney's Manly, or Manly's Northern Beaches, near the wharf. There was um, neo-Nazi activity going on. There were other fights. What's going on? Why are people so angry? And was it because it was Australia Day, or do you reckon it was just because there was lots of alcohol involved? The neo-Nazi activity had nothing to do with alcohol. And I'm sure no matter where you are around Australia, you saw the, the chilling images of over 70 really courageous neo-Nazis, their faces covered and masked. Why? Why would you want to cover your face if you have nothing to hide? The neo-Nazi activity in Sydney, to me, is abhorrent, and I just don't get it. There are already fairly strict laws in New South Wales outlawing behaviour that seem to be inciting violence. And there are anti-hatred laws that are there that are, that's supposed to help clean this sort of stuff up. I am a huge fan of freedom of speech. I think you should be able to wear whatever it is you want to wear. I think you should be able to say whatever you want to say so long as you don't incite violence. I mean, most of what I say is probably offensive. But, you know, we're an easily offended nation. But this neo-Nazi behavior has got me scratching my head. And I was just reading the paper on Saturday, looking at what had happened on the Friday. Um, about 70 men intercepted by police at North Sydney Railway Station, 11.30 in the morning, after they boarded a train further back at Artarman. The Prime Minister has said that he's absolutely horrified by the images I was. He said, I don't want to see people in balaclavas dressed in black from head to toe who are engaged in neo-Nazi activity in this country. It has no place and it is rightly being condemned by all decent people. So there was a large police presence, including officers from the riot squad at North Sydney Station. Some members of the group were carrying shields and a flag. Six people were initially arrested. Two of them were later released and issued infringement notices for offensive behaviour. Police issued 57 infringement notices in total to the members of the group, but no charges have been laid. Surely Australia Day is there to commemorate everything that's great about this country. What is wrong with these people? What is their beef? I, I don't understand it. Maybe you do. 
Did you see anything like this where you live on Australia Day? Did you see anti-Australian behaviour over the weekend? Give me a call and tell me what you saw. And can someone educate me? What is the what is the go with all of this? I noticed that the New South Wales Premier, Chris Minns, says that the group's actions were menacing and ridiculous. Um, the leader of the National Party, David Littleproud, has had a lot to say about it. And he thinks some of the laws should be toughened up and maybe new laws introduced. We'll talk to him a little bit later this morning. But I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. What... Why are people so angry? And here's a question I'll ask. These neo-Nazis, are they from overseas? Are they people who have moved to Australia with a beef? Or are these Australian born and bred people? I'm about to say born and bred men because from what I could see, um, they're all men. I didn't see any women, but mind you, they've got balaclavas and they're dressed fully in black. Their faces are covered. But I don't understand. Are they from overseas, bringing an overseas beef to this country, or are they just bloody angry? Is it because some people are so lost that they have to belong to a gang, to a pack? I mean, you know, you look at bikey gangs, all dressed in leather, the same badges, the same uniform, riding around in great big packs. Is it because... They feel safer in a pack and part of a group. They come from a dysfunctional background, perhaps, and they need a family. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? I don't know. But anyway, maybe you have some thoughts on it. I'd love to hear from you. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, what else have we got? Um, the rental crisis in Australia. It's absolutely at its peak. And we need more affordable housing, obviously. But I don't know how we're going to do that when we don't have enough people to build these things. We have a skill shortage. We have a material shortage. Uh, even the New South Wales Premier last week, Chris Minns, admitted he can't make the 75,000 homes in one year that he promised. He just can't do it. We don't have people to do it. And what about, the, I don't know if you saw the pictures in the paper over the weekend. It was in Queensland. And it was lines of people, over a hundred people long, lining up for a rental property. One of the rental properties was pretty ordinary, two bedrooms, um, just an ordinary flat, uh, over a hundred people lining up for it. The price was nearly $900 a week. What's going on there? Um, Are you looking for somewhere to live or have you recently found somewhere to live Can you tell me, was it easy? Did you find the property that you wanted to rent without any trouble? Or was there a massive queue? Were you led to believe that maybe you needed to offer more rent than was being asked? A bribe, in other words. Have you recently moved into a rental property and how did you get it? And do you have any tips for anyone listening that's struggling? Um, Our expert on renting is Sarah Elcordy. She's known as the Rent Fairy. And we'll have a chat with her later today. I'm looking forward to that. She also has really good advice on how to get your bond back from a rental property if you've got a difficult landlord. Returning the bond at the end of tenancy isn't always smooth, but there are steps that you can take to make it smooth. Did you know, I'm just having a quick look around the country, in New South Wales last year, 13.8% of tenants who left the rental property lost their bond. 
In Victoria, the respective figures were 9% and 25%. And so it goes around Australia. So are people losing their bonds because they're really crook tenants? They make a mess. They damage the property. Or are landlords being unreasonable? And here's the million-dollar question. Exactly what does reasonable wear and tear mean? We'll talk about that later this morning, but if if you're a renter and you've had trouble getting your bond back, please give me a call and tell me what happened. And if you are a landlord, have you had a really crook tenant and you've had to withhold their bond? Tell me why. Let's try and understand this. But seriously, we've got to do better than this topic that we talked about last week with people making a quick buck cashing in on the housing crisis by illegally renting out their backyards and their garden sheds. And often these sheds don't have access to running water, they don't have toilets, they don't have showers, and they're charging people about $250 a week, sometimes more. And they advertise it, space for rent. It's unbelievable. I mean, if if you want to go camping say, in a national park, it can cost you around $50, 60 bucks for seven nights. And these people are charging $250 a week to sleep in a garden shed. No windows, no running water, no showers, no electricity. It's, a, it's just shocking, isn't it? It is just shocking. There has to be something that can be done about this. But what do you do if you're that desperate? Hey, and what about the report last week in the Courier-Mail that there were some unscrupulous and greedy people for $250 a week renting renting out their driveways so that people who are homeless and forced to live in their cars can park in a driveway. I'm not kidding you. We need to work out what's going on here. Obviously, we need to build more affordable housing but I don't know how we're going to do that if we haven't got the builders and the carpenters and the plumbers and the sparkies to do it. If you have some thoughts, feel free to jump in. We need a solution. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, I, we're going to have an interesting conversation later this morning about the question, who owns the moon? The race to return humans to the lunar surface is heating up and experts reveal while buying a plot of land might not be all that it seems. In 1969, the idea of building a permanent settlement on the moon seemed very plausible and the US and China and Japan battled it out in a new space race. When Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon, he planted an American flag. Was he, in fact, claiming the moon in the name of the US. Can anybody really own the moon? Or was Neil Armstrong's flag planting no more legally significant than cosmic littering? Is that all it was? Experts speaking to Mail Online over the weekend revealed why buying a plot of land on the moon might not be all that it seems. Uh, The simple answer, according to Professor of Space Law Christopher Newman of the Northumbria University, he says nobody owns the moon. No country can claim ownership of the moon, he says. 
The Moon and other celestial bodies are governed by the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. Well, as we've seen, treaties don't mean a thing. If somebody wants something enough and is a big enough bully and has enough firepower, they'll take it. Let's have a look at see what's happening in the Ukraine, hey? Treaty Schmeaty. So who actually owns the moon? And did Neil Armstrong have the right to plant an American flag? What are your thoughts? One triple three five three. Experts are saying that if you did control and own the moon, it would be a huge, huge favour, a huge benefit as far as satellite weapons are concerned. Because if you want to launch weapons, you do it in space where there's no gravity and you save a lot on fuel. Owning the moon could be the next step and who has the right to it? I don't know. I just thought we'd have some fun and talk about that. I'd love to know what you reckon. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, listen, this week, again, we are giving away a treasure trove of prizes here on the Night Shift. Uh, all throughout the week, I'm going to be giving away things willy-nilly from Pestrol, from Swift Grow, from Aussie Hoses. We've got Triple M merchandise to give away. And then on um, on Friday our caller of the week, will win the lot. So why don't you jump on board? If you've never, ever, ever rung before, why don't you do it today? And if you are a member of the Night Shift family, well, why don't you call in and say good day as well? Let's catch up. Uh, what else is happening today? What about the cricket? I have never been so delighted to see another team beat Australia in test cricket on Australian soil, but wow, the West Indies. What about that Shamar Joseph? I'd never heard of him. No one had ever heard of him. His debut test series. A year ago, he was saying that he hoped that one day he might play in the Caribbean domestic competition. And here he is, his test debut, and he stole the show. Stole the show. Unbelievable. And with a busted toe. We're going to talk sport with Michelle Bishop a little bit later on. Did you watch the test? Were you at the Gabba? Tell me, what was it like? Were you a bit like me watching it on the telly and I was listening to it on Triple M because Triple M rocks the cricket? I was thrilled for him. I was really, really thrilled for him. Bad luck, Steve Smith, who was very close to carrying his bat and taking Australia to a 2-0 victory. But nah, this Shamar Joseph... He's unbelievable. And what a lovely bloke. Well, he seems like a lovely bloke. Anyway, I love those sporting stories. So we'll talk sport with, um, with Michelle Bishop a little later this morning. Dr. Keith Souter, our expert on international affairs, on the program this morning. We're going to talk about Donald Trump, who's in a lot of shit. $83.3 million he's been sued for. He's been sued by this woman twice. <laughs> this is... <coughs> This is the bloke who looks like being re-elected. At the moment, he's winning the Republican race to be their candidate in this year's election, even though he may be the commander-in-chief from behind bars, which can happen. It can happen. But this is, uh, Dr. Keith will explain it all, but uh, the thing that gets me is this uh, writer, E. Jean Carroll, 
this uh, is a woman that accused Trump of sexually abusing him, her, and back in 2023, a jury awarded this woman $5 million from Trump, and, it, and the money's gone into escrow. So uh, the, Trump has deposited the money. But it was put on pause, Thomas, because Trump appealed. And while the appeal was, while the wheels were turning, he goes on any social media or any news program that'll listen and said, she's a liar. She's a this, she's a, defamed her. So she said, right, I'll go, I'll do you again. And this time the jury only took three hours to come back and say, let's give her $83.3 million. And that money's now going to be put into escrow. But the, the, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump doesn't have that much liquid assets. He, he doesn't have as much money as he would like you to think. And he's going to have to sell things. Now, you know that Trump Tower in New York that's so famous? Well, most of that is strata owned. He only collects the rent from the shops downstairs. The rest of that tower is, is owned. He doesn't own it. It's got his name on it. And they kept the name on it when they were stratering off and selling those apartments because they thought it gave it prestige. But he doesn't own Trump Tower. Rather than being Trump Towers, it's literally just Faulty Trump, Trump first floor. Faulty Towers. Yeah. So anyway, a jury has now awarded the writer, E. Jean Carroll, $83.3 million. And this bloke could be president of the United States at the end of this year. It's a funny old world, Thomas, isn't it? It really is. It's a funny old world. Anyway, one triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, we got the quickie. Now we started it on Thursday, didn't we? Oh yeah, you know why? Because it went off. Because Jeff the Pest got in so early. I know he's banned. Yeah, this this, w- this is a Jeff free quickie. A Je- exactly. <laughs> it's a Jeff free quickie. Jeff, you pest. You can call in about anything else, but you're not winning the quickie. He's won six. Six. He's won six. Yeah. And the quickie is not something you can Google or Shazam because it's not long enough. Yeah. We make it tough. Well, you do. Tougher than nails. Exactly. So the um, quickie is coming up a little bit later on. There is a clue on our podcast. So if you go to the listener app and have a a, a listen, uh, you'll hear the quickie. Uh, There was no clue on Thursday. You'll get a clue today. Later today, there'll be a clue. So we'll have a bit of fun with that. Hey, listen, I'm up for anything. You up for a chat? I, I, I really do scratch my head when I read about the violence on Australia Day. Why are people so angry? If you have some thoughts, and we talked about this last week, the, according to the NRMA and the latest road statistics nationally, the cases of road rage have nearly tripled since 2019. And so... We're now led to believe that maybe COVID has something to do with people being short-tempered and rude. And, you know, the whole Karen thing started, didn't it, during COVID? Rude customers. What, why is the world so angry? Is there any way we can fix it? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, look, give me a call and let's chat. Call of the week coming up on Friday, but we'll give stuff away during the morning just willy-nilly if I feel like it. It's great to have your company, and I hope you're well. It's a brand new day. It is Monday, January 29, 2024.
Uh, Gavin Morris will join us shortly as we have a comprehensive look at this week's weather around the nation. You're listening to The Night Shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M Network and streaming live as we speak on the Listener app. So we are off and running. We are ready to go for a Monday. One triple three five three. You can phone through right now if you've got something to say. Um, we want to talk. We want to create some conversation, and let's see if we can't solve some of the problems facing us. One triple three five three. Hey, look. If it's green and it grows, you need this swift grow. You've heard me talk about it over and over again. You've heard people ring in and say how good it is. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's an all organic fertilizer. And the whole world is raving about it. Start the new year with a greener lawn, bigger plants, better water retention, and even better tasting veggies. The all-natural, swift-grow, and amazing organic barramundi fertilizer. Everyone's talking about it. Now, this is the new year deal. It's their best deal ever. It's a five-liter bottle of swift-grow, just 120 bucks, And you get free delivery anywhere in Australia. Anywhere. So why don't you get onto it? You can log on now, swiftgrow.com.au, and please stick to the directions. Don't think you're going to put more on than it says, because it goes a long, long way. You don't need to overdo it. Just do exactly what Joe has told you on the instructions. If it's green and it grows, you're going to love SwiftGrow. Order online, swiftgrow.com.au. Yeah, tell me this. Now that another Australia Day has come and gone, and the debate over whether or not we should keep January 26 is over for now. It'll come back. It'll come back. Is it time we changed the date? I don't know. Um, I think it's inevitable that one day we will. There just seems to be so much anger. And it's a shame that we don't have a day where we can all get together and enjoy being Australian. But what, what day is it? Oh, let me just throw something else into the mix. We had a discussion at our place on Australia Day on Friday. Is the Union Jack done and dusted? Now, I know we're a constitutional monarchy. I know the King Charles is our king. He's our head of state. I know, I know. But is it time to put the Aboriginal flag in the top left-hand corner? Keep that fantastic Southern Cross, but put the Aboriginal flag top left-hand corner replacing the Union Jack. I'll have more to say on that a little later this morning. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, John's online. First caller for the for the week. G'day, John. How you going, matey? I love your radio station out there. I've turned my receiver off, so there's no feedback. Um, I really think that we should have our coat of arms shown more over Australia, like our Australian flag. The emu and the kangaroo. That's right, our, our coat of arms. Mm. It should be more shown in Australia rather than on our coins and money. Well, it's funny you should say that. Um, it is everywhere in Canberra. It's not on our flag, uh, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about it much. Keep going. Yeah, no, I just think if, like, if you if you if you believe in Australian values and you're Australian, mm. if you don't like Australia, well, you don't like Australian values. I celebrate every year with my brother Australian Day. We have a few beers and a barbie, and we've got the kids running around and his wife, and we really enjoy ourselves on Australia Day. I think we should change that day. Um, I think you'll be changing history if you do so. Um, it's on the 26th. It always has been, as far as I know, if, as I can remember. Um, just, uh, you know, like, you know, we all got to stick together as Australians and help each other if we can. We, we, we're through tough times. We had COVID. 
and we had you know a, a lot of problems going on, people getting ill. Um, we've got to try and stick together, all the Australian people, and help each other, yeah, as much as we can. You know, I like the coat of arms um, because I guess it really is a formal symbol of the Commonwealth. And for those, just Google it if you want to have a look, folks. It, it, it depicts a shield. That's right. And it contains the symbols of Australians, Australia's six states. That's right. And that shield is held up by two Australian animals, a kangaroo and an emu. That's right. Um, and then on also at the very, very top, you'll see a gold star. It's the seven-pointed Commonwealth star. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. And also, there's wattle as the background. A wattle is a, is a great Australian symbol, the wattle. It wouldn't be the same without the wattle and the kangaroo. It's a really great coat of arms, isn't it? I, I, that I, it is. It really is. And I don't know if you do see it enough. Maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, no, it should be shown more. That's my personal view on the matter, yeah. It should be shown more, yeah. Okay, but let's look at the symbols of the different states and see mm. if we... Because yeah, you know what people are like. They'll, someone will disagree. So for New South Wales, you've got the Cross of St. George. Right. Right, that's the lion with the cross and the okay, stars. Okay, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you Google the, the, the coat of arms and have a look at the shield, so that's the top left. And okay. then in the middle at the top is the Victorian uh, symbol. Okay. And that's St. Edward's crown, and it also has the Southern Cross underneath it. Okay. You learn something new every day, don't you, eh? Now, what, Amazing. Wait for this. Queensland's symbol is a blue Maltese cross, and St. Edward's crown is also there. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. But here's something I like. South Australia has the piping shrike. It's a bird. It's a native bird. Okay. And then, of course, Western Australia has the black swan. Okay. Yeah. Western Australia, the black swan, and Tasmania. A red lion. So yep, I don't really yep, know. Yep, I know that one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Maybe some of the symbols need to be changed if we're going to do away with the monarchy. I don't know. Anyway, it's not a bad coat of arms, but you're right. You don't see it enough. No. It's a, we're Australians, and we're all Australia. We, 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 there should be more Australian flags out there on our, in, in our front yards, and it should be the coat of arms should be shown more than rather just on our coins. Do you what, do you what do you think of doing away with the Union Jack and putting the Aboriginal flag in the top left corner of our flag? Look, I'm not racist against anybody. Um, look, they've contributed their land to us, yeah, or they say we stole their land or whatever. But if it wasn't for all of us coming from all over parts of the world, Australia wouldn't be what it is today. Okay, so so that we both can live together, would a nice gesture be to put the Aboriginal flag in the top left-hand corner of the Australian flag and do away with the Union Jack? Because... At every official function, even on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you'll see the Australian flag and you'll see the Aboriginal flag. The, the, the two are always together. Should we, should we put them together? That's a good idea. That's a better idea, I suppose. Why not? Yeah. I mean... Um... One more question for you, John, because you're a thinker. Thank you. John, why are Australians so angry at the moment? Why is there so much road rage? Why did we see so much violence on Australia Day? Do you reckon it was over the day, or was it just alcohol? What's the, what's the go with these neo-Nazis? That's what frightens me. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's um, people are in turmoil. All, all parts mm. of life are in turmoil at the moment. Mm. There's a lot of things going on. There, there are a lot of different nationalities in Australia. There's, there's, there's turmoil amongst... My friend, my friend he's, he's, a, he's a German. He, he's a German 100%, yeah? Yeah. Like he was born here, though. I just say, look, don't you should you know you should be Australian, yeah. Like 
you know, and he's German. What is Australian? He's German. What what what's he got to do to be Australian that he's not doing now? Oh, he just he, he just worships the Nazis. The Nazis. The Nazi. Oh, really? Why? I don't know why, mate, my friend. I really don't know. I don't like it. This I'm is what I'm asking. I don't you're understand. Australian. You were born here. You should stick by Australia. You should you should uh, abide and and live and and, mm. and accept Australian values. Mm. If you don't like Australian values, please go back to your own country. That's my personal opinion. Okay, but what about these neo-Nazis that don't like Australian values and they most of them are born and bred here? Yeah. Got, this is their home. What? Answer me that. This is what I don't get. I think it's got something to do with the van. You're not allowed to have the SWAT sticker um, yeah. in public. And the, and the Zig Hail salute, that's, that's now illegal. Yeah, there might be two more over that. Should that be illegal? Do we believe in freedom of speech? Or is the Zig Hail Nazi salute offensive and does it incite violence? This is the thing. Very thing, yes. Anyway, it's, 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 uh, we need to talk about it. But why are people so angry? Why has road rage tripled since 2019? It's, I, I don't know why people are so cranky. If you have some thoughts, let me know. John, good to talk to you. All right, thank you. See you, mate. Bye-bye. C- call back and spread, and spread the word. Tell people okay. we're here. Thank, thank you, mate. One triple three five three. Wayne. Hello, Luke. How are you? Good, thanks, buddy. Happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday to you too. What's, and what's I going would on? say happy Australia Day. <laughs> okay. So did you feel guilty on Friday or not? No. Okay. Um, I've got Aboriginal kids. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they come from an Aboriginal family. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they always in class of the Invasion Day. So if we change it from the 26th of January to whatever date, to what they're day? always yeah. in class of the Invasion Day. So yeah. why can't we just keep the 26th of January as Australia Day, and combine their loss and our win. Do you understand what I mean there? No, I'm listening to you. Yeah, it, I, 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 I can sort of see both sides of the story. But no matter what, if we change it from the 20, Australia Day from the 26th of January to whatever day, they're going to always class it as Invasion Day. Mm. So I'm trying to say is why can't we combine it? But do you think it's right that so many non-Indigenous Australians are, fo- are made to feel guilty about this 26th? Oh, yeah, I, I believe it's wrong for us to be made to feel guilty because we've grown up in history until, what, the last 10, 15 years that the, it's really been starting to come out across as its invasion day? Yeah, I think it's a little bit longer. I remember, I remember 1988, the bicentennial. There was, there were massive, pro- there were yes. massive protests that day. I remember. All right. Well, look, I just don't know what the date is. Then, How, someone give me a date that can bring all Australians together without anyone feeling guilty. That's all I'm asking. And every yeah, date I bring up, like every every date I bring up with friends. Uh, like I'll suggest, okay, what about January 1? Because 1901, January 1, we became a federation. Oh, no, no, no. Because New Year's Day is already a public holiday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to miss out on a public holiday. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, well. I, I suggested May 27. That was the date of the 1967 referendum where all Australians came together. Uh, over yeah. 90, 90% of the population voted a big yes to that referendum. Yeah, and, and I was there. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and somebody said to me, um, no, 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 because May's too cold. 
We want Australia. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying you, you can't please everybody. Of course, that's that's why I'm trying to say is why don't we just combine the 26th of of January as both? It is Australia Day after all, no matter what. And okay, it wasn't called Australia before um, the white man got here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just trying to. I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is I understand both sides of the story. Yeah, so but we need a date that everyone's happy with, and I don't think you'll find one. But we'll keep thinking, Wayne. We'll keep thinking. Wayne, just quickly, um, the neo-Nazi protests, all these lunatics dressed in black and covering their faces, what's the go there? Do well, you, they're not Australian. Well, they are. No, they're not. If they're doing this sort of thing in Australia... They are not Australian. But you, the, the previous caller said, I'll send them back to their own country. They're born in Australia. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. We can't send them back to their own country. So where did this hatred come from? Um, where believe, did this... I, I believe it's got to, a lot of it has got to do with the amount of... Um, what's the best way to put this without sound? Like, see, I, I don't believe in racism because we all believe the same colour, mm. right? But what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of what the hatred is today is the amount of people now being allowed into Australia, right? Because, you know, like I'm thinking back probably 30 years and I remember driving between Liverpool and Campbelltown and it was all bush. But now there's no bush. Hmm. You know, Australia's got nowhere to grow out anymore. Um, Sydney's got nowhere to grow out anymore, so it has to grow up. And that means flats. Mm-hmm. And people are like animals. They need their own space. And if you're combining people into blocks of units where they've got, say, 50 people living in a one-metre-square unit block, right, you're going to have arguments because people are not designed to be that close to people. Um, I I don't know if you understand what I mean by that, Luke, but... Do you think, because, is, do you think because we don't have an urban spread anymore with a house on a quarter-acre block and a wide street that you can play cricket in, that because yeah, we have so much high-rise, people are pent up too close to each other and that's causing tempers to fray? Do you think that's it? Oh, I, I truly do believe that. That's a really interesting thought because, of course, high-density housing, especially in the cities, is the only answer. Or the Premier can can, can close down more golf courses. But but even that Moore Park golf course that he is shutting down from 18 holes to 9 holes, that's going to be high-density, high-rise housing. Yeah. And, I, you, and you reckon that's half the problem? You might be right. Hey, this, I'm going to keep going. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you too, Luke. Have a wonderful day. And promise me you'll call back. I will. Good on you. One triple three five three is the telephone number if you would like to be part of it. Hey, what about the um, the tennis, eh? First of all, who would have thought that Yannick Sinner and Daniel Medvedev would be in the final? And who would have thought Yannick Sinner would pull off this astonishing comeback? Two sets down, two sets down to love. And he's gone and defeated Daniel Medvedev. Unbelievable. Um, He won. He lost the first set. 
6-3. He lost the second set, 6-3. Came back and won the third, 6-4. Came back and won the next, the fourth, 6-4. And then won the fifth set, 6-3. We'll have more on that with Michelle Bishop a little later on. We've got it all covered for you here. You won't miss a thing. The Night Shift Triple M. Those callers on hold, you stay right where you are. I'll get to each and every one of you. Classic Phil Collins. So sad about his health, isn't it? Can't drum anymore. His back's sore. He's just a, a frail piece of what he used to be, but a brilliant musician. Um, one of those rare drummer singers. Not many lead singers in bands are drummers. You can think of a few of them. Um, Don Henley from the Eagles. There was one. Who else was there? Who else was the drummer of a band and the lead singer? Any, any thoughts, anyone? Ringo Starr had a hit, but he wasn't the lead singer of the Beatles. Karen Carpenter. Believe it or not, Karen Carpenter was a drummer and a brilliant drummer. And she played the drums. But not we should look it up. No, we'll let our listeners tell us. Famous drummers who were the lead singer. Dave Clark Five. I just it's just come off the top of my head. I, I could be a hundred percent wrong. These things pop into my head. The Dave Clark Five. Was Dave Clark the drummer? Talk to me, Thomas, it's radio. I wouldn't have a clue. What does it say? What does what say? Didn't you Google it? No, I was looking up fam- famous people who were drummers. singers and drummers. drummers. Oh, I thought yeah. you were looking up the Dave Clark Five. No, no, no. Don Brewer? Grand Funk Railroad? Okay. What about Roger Taylor? Roger Taylor, well, no, he wasn't really the lead singer. Yeah, fair. He- 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 Freddie Mercury was the lead singer. Come on, no. That, that, he sang harmonies. Yeah. No, I no, mean, no. Lead singer. Lead singers that were drummers. Don Henley? I just said that. The Eagles. Phil Collins? I just said that. We just played Phil Collins. It's nice to know you switched on out there. Thanks oh, thank for, you. Thanks for your help, Thomas. Jesus. Look up the Dave Clark Five for me and find out if he was a drummer. It's in my head. Do you suffer from sleep apnea? You know if you do. You know if you snore. If you think you can't afford CPAP treatment, you're wrong. Sove, S-O-V-E, Sove CPAP Clinic, offer interest-free payment plans for CPAP machines and accessories. And you can mix and match all the leading brands like ResMed, Philips, Fisher and Pykel, and you can tailor a treatment for you. It works out to less than $3.50 a day. It's a coffee. Sove CPAP Clinic. Sove, S-O-V-E dot com.au. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use. When considering whether CPAP is right for you, please speak to your doctor. T's and C's apply. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Lots to talk about. I got a great email from my very good friend, Jason Morrison, who um, fills in for me here on the night shift when I go on holidays. And he brought up a really, really good point. He's asking the question, should you have to pay to go into a council pool just to watch your kids swim? In Sydney, Ride Pool charges parents who are not swimming, they're supervising, $4. Hornsby, $4. Parramatta, $4.50. Homebush, $5. Penrith, $4. And the list goes on. This is on top of the fees that you have to pay for your kids to swim. I mean, you can't just drop your kids off. You have to stay and watch your kids in the water. Because lifeguards can't see everyone. 
but they are charging the parents who aren't even swimming. If you show up with, say, four kids, it's 30 bucks already just for them to get in. Why should the parents be charged? Now, for example, if you, say, take your kids 10-pin bowling, the parents don't get charged a fee to watch them. Do you think councils should charge non-swimming supervisory parents for watching their kids? What do you make of it? One triple three five three is the telephone number. You're not swimming. You're there supervising your children, yet these council-run swimming pools are still charging the parents to go in. I, I like the 10-pin bowling analogy. You, go, you take your kids 10-pin bowling, only those people bowling get charged. The parents who aren't bowling are supervising. They don't get charged. Why do pools charge non-swimming parents? I'd love to know your thoughts. Around Australia on the Triple M Network. This is The Night Shift with Luke Burner. The Night Shift. As we go around the nation, let's talk. G'day, Tom. How you going, mate? I'm going great. Where are you? Uh, Newcastle. And how come you're up? Um, because uh, I'm an early uh, worker. I get very up there early in the morning. Do you? Anyway, good to have you listening. Thanks Thanks for calling. What's up? Um, I was just wondering about um, people that, uh, that you're saying that they haven't got any sort of um, accommodation and stuff like that. That's right. Um, we, we, we have a housing crisis. And there are thousands and thousands of Australians who are sleeping rough under bridges in their cars. And the queue for rental properties, really ordinary, really ordinary rental properties, a mile long. Yeah, I'm, I'm very worried about that. Mm. Because back in the 70s, that would not happen. You know, like things like that in the 70s. The thing is, I went over to the UK and in the 70s, there was people from overseas who bought all the bloody accommodation over there, and I went and named a, uh, a, a whatever individual or country, but they bought it overseas, and then the same thing is happening over the UK. Uh, so Pauline Hansen, who I've spoken to on this, she believes that we should not be people from overseas, non-Australian citizens, she, she believes should not be allowed to buy Australian property. The problem with that is we live in a free market. And, Tom, when the day finally comes that I want to sell my home, I want as many paddles in the air bidding as possible. I've paid taxes all my life, and my house is really my super. And I want to be able to sell it to the highest price and have as many people there bidding as possible. So there are two sides to it. Yeah, I understand that. You know, you know why I understand that? Because you want to get the most money out of your property. Absolutely. So, so I want as many bidders as possible. Get another property, you've got collateral to get that property. Oh, but I'd have to downsize because to live in the suburb I'm in and, and to get a similar house, it's going to cost the same money. It's, it's a pointless exercise. Unless I sell the house, downsize, and move to regional Australia where 
where the cost of living is a lot less. Yeah, well, that's what they did from uh, like from Sydney. They they downsized. Mm. They bought. They sold all their properties in Sydney from say about how much? How much? And I, I don't know. And then they come up to say where I am in regional New South Wales and buy the properties, and then that makes escalation of everyone's uh, property, and it just goes up and up and up. I mean. Come on. It's just because it, these overseas people are buying all this real estate in Sydney and it just, like a spider, it just goes out and out and out and out. Mm. Well, we have a thing in place called the Foreign Investment Review Board and they have put limits on agricultural land. And the Foreign Investment Review Board for buying a farm is $15 million. And that might sound okay. Uh, you can buy a pretty substantial farm for fourteen million nine hundred ninety-nine, or you could buy one farm and the adjoining farm for fifteen million, and the other adjoining farm for fifteen million. Because if farmers are desperate to sell, that's what they'll do. But anyway, look, it's an interesting one. Should there be foreign investment in Australian housing? That's that's your question. Not as much as what they're doing because you can't leave Australians out of the market. Okay. There is another way, and that is, of course, to build more affordable housing. But, Tom, the problem is we don't have the labour. There aren't, we, we wanted to get some work done on our place, um, and the builder that we use has done a lot of work to our place, and he's a good friend. He's a terrific bloke. Is he... It's a year. We can't get him for 12 months. I'm not kidding. And he said every plumber and every sparky in Sydney, I don't know about the uh, out in the bush, is the same. I said, why? He said, because <clears throat> people leave the business, especially if it's physical work. They retire and they're not being replaced because Australians don't want to get their hands dirty. This is, this, these are his words. He said, the young kids coming through today, they all want university degrees and they don't want to get their hands dirty doing an apprenticeship where the money is crap for the first few years. That's what he said to me. That, that can't be right because the, the, the people in, in, in Australia should have to have the, the fact that they should have their own house. I, yeah, I know. So we need to build more. Or you're suggesting ban foreign investment. Let's see what the others have to say. Tom, I really appreciate your call. Thank you so much. We'll keep moving. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Pete's, where are you, Pete? Hey, you going, mate? G'day, Pete. Where are you? Wodonga. Wodonga? Wodonga. Aubrey Wodonga. Oh, Wodonga. I thought you said Wodonga. Yep. Uh, Aubrey Wodonga on the border. What's up? Yeah, mate. Oh, just the house and rental and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're and in trouble. It's just bloody that um, hard to find somewhere to rent that dear. Is it hard to find a place to rent in Albury, Wodonga, is it? Oh, 100%. What's, what's the availability? What sort, of, what sort of housing are we talking about and how much? Well, it's only – I'm a single bloke. Yep. And um, – Sometimes there's probably 10, 15 people lined up for the, to rent a house. What, and what sort of house would that be? Describe it. 
Oh, just, just a two-bedroom unit or one-bedroom unit, in, something like that. In Albury, Wodonga. Yep. There's that. There's that much demand, eh? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. So yeah, bloody that hard, and I ended up shifting into a caravan. You live in a caravan. Yeah, mate. Uh, on the river. On the river. What? Where's your power supply? I've got solar. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and you can't find anywhere in Albury, Wodonga, to rent that that's that suits your budget. What's your budget? Yeah. How much could you afford to pay in rent? A uh, couple hundred bucks a week. Two hundred bucks a week, and yeah. and what does that get you? Nothing. 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 No way. It would get you nothing. And what? And what do you do for a living? I'm um, retired now. Okay. I would not retired on on a um, disability support pension. Oh, and how much is the pension? Uh, a thousand bucks a fortnight. Five hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Yeah. So if you paid two hundred dollars a week rent, you'd have three hundred dollars to live on. That's it. And, is and it, then- it's just you. And then I've got to pay rent. Uh, I've got to pay electricity. Um, That's if you were renting. You, you've got solar yeah. in your caravan. But if you were yeah. renting, yes, you'd have electricity, you'd have gas yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the moment, yeah, I've got um, just me and my dog. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You're on a disability pension, $500 a week. Yep. And you're forced to live in a caravan on the river. Yeah, mate. Wow. That's it. Um, and there's people worse than me, like you mm. said before, people living under bridges and all that. Yeah, in, in their cars. And, and in cars, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I'm grateful I can stay here in this reserve where I am. And, yeah, but mm. but in um, summer, I haven't got no air conditioner. Mm. And in winter... No heating, nothing like that. Mm. So, and Aubrey yeah. gets very cold and very hot. Yep, yep, yep exactly. Oh dear, yeah. oh dear. I'm so sorry to hear that. What, oh, it doesn't matter. Do you have enough to eat? Yeah. And yeah, you have, do yeah, you, does yeah, your dog yeah. have? Does your dog have enough to eat? Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. What's What's his name? Jed. Hey. Jed. Jed. How old is he? Yeah. Three months. Wow. What sort of dog? Jack Russell. How'd you get him? How'd I get him? I brought him, but I had to, um, it took a lot of um, money away from other things and all that. So you, you paid but, for him? What, how much? You No, sorry, you paid for Jed? Yeah, mate, yep, yep. Well, at least you got some company, eh? That, well, that's it. That's what I wanted because otherwise you're just talking to yourself all day, you know. Yeah. Well, look, you take you take care of yourself, Pete. Please stay yep. stay in touch with me, mate. Okay. Yep. No worries, dude. Okay. See you, mate. See ya. There you are. And he says there are people worse off than me. There are people worse off than me. He's on a disability pension, thousand bucks a fortnight, five hundred a week. And you can't afford to live anywhere. And this is in Albury, Wodonga. This is in regional Australia where things are meant to be cheaper. He says $200 a week can't get him anything. So he's in a caravan with his dog, Jed. And this is Australia. We, we shouldn't have Australians living like this. And people renting out their garden sheds, their Colourbond garden sheds.
no access to running water, electricity, a toilet, a shower. And people are so desperate they're renting these things. Uh, Caroline, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for joining us. What's up? Uh, not much. I just thought I'd give you a call and just let you know I'm a homeless na- Navy veteran. You are? Yep. Uh, I'm the Gold Coast. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And, uh, how long I'm were you in, my... how long were you in the Navy? Uh, six years. How, how young were you when you joined the Navy? Uh, I was 17 when I joined and so I got out in, uh, 95. And, I joined and, in 89. And did you do service overseas? Yeah, I was um, on the HMAS Tobruk, and we were deployed to um, Mogadishu, Somalia, back in '93. Somalia, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, so you were there seven years? Uh, six. And why did you Excuse leave? Me. I left on maternity leave, actually. Okay. And, um, and then go yeah, back. I tried, to get, I tried, but um, I was given a couple of options, and they weren't feasible because I had a six-month-old baby. So I went out on maternity leave. Mm. Um, separated and then decided that I'd go back in and they they said I had a choice. I had you know, the Navy or the baby and I chose my baby. So what, what, what did <laughs> so they expect you to do with the baby? Um, well, that's, 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 the, that's my problem. It's not their problem. You know, they said it's the Navy up. or the baby. You've had a six-month-old yeah. baby. They wanted, so they, they, if you were to rejoin the Navy after giving birth, they expected you to get rid of the baby? Yeah, hand the baby to a family member so you could be deployed at sea. Yeah. Yeah, but that that, that was the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s. Yeah. So, so you left the Navy, then what did you do? Um, after the Navy, I was a mum for 19 years and, um, you know, uh, did some insurance for a while and then I got into car sales and retired uh, about five years medically retired. So, so tell me, how is it that you're homeless now? Um, it's because I am going through the Department of Veterans Affairs claims process and it's taken them three years so far. So during that time, we're in limbo pretty much. Um, I don't know whether you know this or not, but I'm an ambassador for a charity called Wounded Heroes and it's for people like you. And um, do, do I have you, been helped by them. Oh, Martin, you, Martin's, you've spoken to Martin Shaw? Uh, not, no, not Martin. I think I've spoken, it was a lady. I can't remember her name. Okay. I was actually interviewed by ABC 730 report last year, um, on the homeless veterans and the problems we have. Were you right? Yeah. So, um, they, Wounded Heroes actually put me through, put me forward for that. There's your dog. I have an assistance dog for mental health. What sort of dog is it? Um, he's a staffie named Staff. His name's Lockie. And where are you now? Where are you living now? Um, I've been sleeping in a hammock on the beach. You're in a hammock and on the beach. You, you, don't, you don't even yeah. have a roof over your head. No, I what? have a car. You've got a car. Um, it gets uncomfortable in the car. We're in the car at the moment, so we're just down the the boat ramp, and uh, it's just there's no rentals, and no one's going to rent. You know, real estate agents would prefer to rent to someone that has a job, um, you know, as opposed to someone that's on a pension, retired. And with a dog, you know, when they don't want a dog in the premises. And it's, oh, it's you know, for, to rent a bedroom in someone else's house now is $500 a week. 500 a week to rent a room, someone's room. Just a room, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I moved here uh, 10 years ago, I was able to rent a unit hmm. in Main Beach for $500 a week, three bedrooms. That's how much it's changed. 
And you know, when you're on the disability pension, um, Veterans Affairs, it's very hard to, you know, afford something on your own. You're paying five, six hundred dollars a week, and then you know you're left with. What is the um, veteran pension? Um, well, it's it's a, it differs because every veteran has different mm. incapacity, um, medical problems, and things like that, depending on where, where they served as well, and what they where's, served on. Where's your daughter? Uh, she's uh, 28 now, and she's actually living in Berlin. <laughs> so you can't move in with her? No. <laughs> you, you, you were a mum for 19 years, just the one child? Yes. yes. Okay, and she's in Berlin, so she can't yeah. She can't help you? No, does my she, father lives in South America, so. Does your daughter, <laughs> your 28-year-old daughter, does she know that her mother's homeless? She does. It upsets her. I bet it does. It's, ups, it's upsetting me. Yeah. I wish you, look, I'll put you back to Thomas. I think you need to have another chat with Wounded Heroes, okay? Okay. And if anyone wants to donate to Wounded Heroes, it's people like Caroline here that we help. And the money doesn't, no one gets paid. There are no staff on Wounded Heroes. There's no advertising. There's no glossy brochures. There's no CEO on $300,000 a year. Martin Shaw, the president of Wounded Heroes, does it for free. And he's the most compassionate man I've ever met. We need to get him back on. We need to get him back on this week, please, Thomas. And any d donation, woundedheroes.org.au. Any donation goes straight to finding emergency accommodation or full-time accommodation for people like Caroline. It's directed at ex-service men and women, and especially ex-service men and women who have come back, come back with PTSD and other, other issues. Woundedheroes.org.au. Caroline, stay there. Thomas wants to talk to you off air, okay? All right, thank you. Okay, mate. Bye-bye. Caroline, with her service dog, an ex-service woman. Now she's in a hammock on the beach, and if it rains, she'll get into a car. It's not good enough, is it? It's not good enough. This is Australia, for Christ's sake. The Night Shift, Triple M. You have some thoughts? you want to share them? That's what we're here for. The Night Shift. Around Australia on the Triple M Network. My name's Luke Boner. Yours isn't. And uh, that's Thomas out there. And uh, we're up for some conversation. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Back to calls in a second. All those people on hold. You stay there. I will be with you shortly. But look, you've heard me rave about this Nature B. Uh, I've been an ambassador for 24 years this year. Nature Bees Power Pollen, thousands of Australians start their day with more energy, better overall health, better well-being, thanks to the power of pollen and the micronutrients. It is nature's superfood, pollen. And all I'm saying is give it a go. Right now, Nature Bees giving all new customers their, their first week of Nature Bee for free. You have to use the code 10 off, number 10 O -F -F, 10 off. Right now, Nature B, if you're a new customer, if you've never tried it before, you get a week for free. Your page is $29.95 plus delivery, a saving of 10 bucks. You can have a week's free supply. Why don't you jump on now? Uh, stocks are limited. Powerpollen.com.au. There is a phone number, there's no one there now. 
but you can leave a message, 1-800-147-009. But just go to the website, powerpollen.com.au, a week for free for new customers. Quick break, be back. The Night Shift, Triple M. Yeah, this housing issue is a massive issue. And you've heard from just two people so far this morning who are affected by it. One bloke on a disability pension lives in Albury, Wodonga. He's now by the river in a caravan um, because he can't afford to rent. And this is in regional Australia. And you just heard that other caller from the Gold Coast, a returned servicewoman. And she's homeless. She's in a car with a dog. And she served this country. And we can't look after them. You know, for years there's been a solution most experts have raised over and over again. Building more social and affordable housing. But it hasn't happened. Why? At the end of last year, there were 426,582 social housing dwellings across Australia, according to the Productivity Commission data. Between 2006 and 2022, social housing stock grew by just 36,200 dwellings. That's about 2,260 homes a year. Australian Institute of Health and Welfare figures show Victoria saw a net increase of just 74 dwellings between 2018 or 2018 and 2022. And despite the expert consensus that we need more stock, as well as the announcement of new money and, and projects across the country, social housing wait lists have stretched out to more than a decade. Yep, some deserving Australians have to wait 10 years for affordable housing. And it raises the question, doesn't it? If we've had a solution to the housing crisis with broad support in front of us for years, why are we so far behind? Why are we so far behind? If you've got some thoughts, I'd like to hear from you. One triple three, five three is the number. Jocelyn, hello. Hello, Luke. How are you? I am terrific. Thank you, Joss. What's going on? Oh, I just rang up to listen to my um, love of my life. I want to hear his voice. Well, and where, where is he? How come? How come? Thomas. You... Oh no, that's right. That's God, right. Luke. I've just letting you know that I'm here for another year of annoying you and mm. listening mm. to Thomas. Oh, and where's Michael Hill? Michael Hill, the jeweler. Hey, Michael Hope. Oh, oh no, Michael Hope. I sorry, thought, I thought Michael Hill, the jeweler. <laughs> no, <laughs> imagine if we got him on the show. Hey, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Michael yeah. Hope. My Hope Estate. Well, he's married to Karen. I know. No, I mean, I miss hearing his voice on He'll the be radio. On, he's coming on on Friday, I think. Oh, yeah, that's he is. okay. Has he said? Is he confirmed? Has he? Yeah, he will be. Yeah. Uh, Michael Hope will be on Friday in the man cave. Oh, that's all right. Okay. And what have you been getting up to? Oh, Joss, you know, a bit of this, a bit of that. Oh. I had holidays. My sister I drank says, too much beer. Yeah, I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to go into rehab, I think. My sister says um, he, she's, she... Oh, that's my telephone line when it rains. Mm. Um, my sister said she 
wonders if your wife's happy that you're back working. Oh, she's delighted, but she's not my wife. We're not married. We, we, oh, well. No, we, you, ju- we just live in sin. Well, I can't even say that anymore. The sin went a long time ago. Now, it's, <laughs> now I just live in frustration <laughs> and constant reminders of things that need being done. That's what I live in. Oh. No sin. Yeah, I couldn't wait to couldn't wait to come back to work every day while I was on holidays. She kept finding jobs for me to do. Well, that's that's your job. No. That's what men are for. No, I just came. I couldn't wait to come back. I wanted to come back early, and they said no. <laughs> but anyway, Jocelyn, I'm yes. sure I'm sure you've made Thomas's day. Oh, he's made my day. Really? What is it? What, what is it about him that does it for you? I just try my best. That's yeah. all I need to do. Yeah, exactly. Big, he's a big lanky thing. You know what? He looks like Kramer. You yeah, are. Yeah, I think whenever I enter a room, I have that stunned yeah. look about me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> he does. Uh, he, he looks a bit like Kramer. He's got the water yes. for it, too. You do. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. Mm. So, Jocelyn. Yes. You want me to, you want me to organise something for you? No. Do you want me to organise a date with Thomas? No, I just, I'm admiring him. No, you just admire him from afar. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't actually want to meet him. No. No. You know what this is for Jocelyn? It's like one of those ASMR experiences where you hear everything and you can imagine what it must be like, but you never want to actually be there. So why does she do this? HBT. No, hang on. H. TB, HTB. What's that mean? Husband to be. But you don't want to meet. But, <laughs> but, but you don't want. But you don't even want to meet him. No. But you want to marry him. I'm um, no. You're very confused, Jocelyn. No, I'm not. Mm. Are you on drugs? No. <laughs> you should be. Um, um, Thomas's voice is the only drug I need. Thank you, Jocelyn. Goodbye. <laughs> See you Friday. That's one of yours, mate. Apparently. It's one of yours. One triple three five three. Paul, hello. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Where are you? I'm just heading home after work. I just wanted to apologise for not being part of the uh, Thomas fan club. No. It's, it's a very small club. In fact, they hold their annual meetings in a telephone booth around the corner. <laughs> With the door open, yeah, wait for someone to come in. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an empty telephone booth, by the way. There's no one in it. Uh, Paul, you're waiting to get home. Can I ask, do you own or rent? I uh, own at the moment, yes. And you have rented before? Oh, a long time ago, long time. yes. Yeah. Long time ago. Whereabouts are you? Uh, north near Caboolture. Okay. And just just to educate me and my listeners, um, a three-bedroom, four-bedroom home in Caboolture, what's it worth? Oh, it starts around the 500000 mark. That's That's about where you are. Yeah. Different areas might go to six hundred. Mm-hmm. And the so, ha- the house that you bought, how long ago did you buy it? I built it probably ten years ago. You built? Are you a builder? No. Oh, you got it built for you. Yes. So you built it from the ground up. It was a brand new house. That's right there. Yeah. And so, what do you reckon it's worth today? 
Oh, it's in the probably the seven hundred mark. You, are you happy with that? Oh yeah. I mean, look, it's it's where it is. Yeah. I mean, if if you put it into a different suburb uh, or up the coast, you could probably add another. You know, put a figure in front of it. In some cases, in some places, yeah. Do you have children? Uh, not at home. No, all, all past that. Oh, they're all gone. Okay, M- my daughter is getting married. I saw her on um, on Saturday. We had coffee. And she um, she's set a date for her wedding next year, uh, July. And she wants a destination wedding in Bali. <clears throat> and she wants all the trimmings. She wants a huge thing. And I'm trying to convince her to pull back on this elaborate wedding and put money into getting a deposit on a unit that she and her her, her man can get into and hopefully it'll go up in value. Did you know that the average Australian wedding is $60,000? Oh, easily. Easily. That's average. And, and, and you've got to ask why, why there is a need for it. I mean, you put a deposit on a house, get yourself into a unit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many people want to have flashy weddings. I don't know. I don't know if your daughter's in this category, but a lot of them like to brag about how much they got, how much it cost, and where they had to go, and all that was involved. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I hate to say it, she is a bit like that. Um, and this poor bloke, he's a lovely boy. I won't mention his name, but oh, he's my daughter's fiance, so it's, it's pretty easy to pinpoint. But she said, "We've been going out ten years. We're, we're about to have our ten-year um, anniversary." He he should have put aside a thousand dollars a year because I want a ten thousand dollar engagement ring, and he got it. Okay. Yeah, she said. She said that's the average. That's what the girls are getting. They're getting a ten thousand dollar engagement ring. I said, stupid. Just put all the money towards a deposit on owning something. It, it doesn't make sense. This this materialistic. I have to have the same as you, if not better, if not more. They can't keep doing that. Where does that stop? I don't know. If anyone out there has got some thoughts, I'd love you to share them. Did you, did you try and talk your kids out of an expensive wedding or did they go overboard? How much was was your wedding or how, how much was your daughter or son's wedding? They reckon the average, well, that's what it was last year. Thomas, just quickly check. What's the average cost of a wedding in Australia, it was sixty, about sixty thousand dollars. It might have gone up. Um, and the thing is, Paul, during COVID, no one could get married. You couldn't have groups together. And now the weddings are berserk. Yeah, what have you got? Thirty-five thousand. So that's gone down. Yeah, it was. It was sixty. I think people have become aware and become a little more conservative. Still, it's a lot of money. Isn't it? It's a lot it's of money. About numbers. It's also about numbers as well, like. Who wants 150 people there? Do you see 150 people every month, every year? I think that's right. People want their nearest and dearest there. Well, that's like 30 or 40, isn't it? If you're lucky. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you've only got one or two very good friends, you're ahead. <laughs> hey, listen, Paul, I know you wanted to talk about this crime that's going on at the moment. Why do you think... We're in this way. Well, it, it comes down to deterrent. What's mm. the deterrent mm. to stop doing it? The consequence. I, I keep saying you, you, you're going to have this juvenile crime 
it will never go away while there are no consequences. Exactly. Exactly. They walk in and out of jail and go back to do the same thing again. And no one stops them. I mean, in the old days, the cops used to give you a phone book to the back, a Mm -hmm. phone book to the side of the head, Mm -hmm. and say, I don't want to see you ever again, otherwise it'll get worse. And, And you didn't want to do that. Tell me, when you were young, did you get into trouble? Uh, yeah, I felt the phone book, for sure. Did you get a phone book? Yeah, phone book. In, in a police station? Uh, not inside, no. What, what happened? What did you do? Uh, it was just something silly. A group of us got a, you know, mucking around one night. The cops said that you'd uh, come with us, and, uh, and then they had a chat outside. We don't want to see you again, otherwise you'd be inside there, and if, if this can happen in, outside, this is going to happen inside. What's the worst? So, yeah. There was a deterrent there. You need, you need a deterrent. Well, we don't like putting young kids in jail, but there's got to be a deterrent, and I don't know what the answer is. But uh, you're right, Paul. And you're right about the weddings. Folks, please, it's a day. It's a day that's over be- before it even starts, and you, and you spend all that money. The thing that gets me is the wedding business. If you want to book a hall for, let's say, a school reunion, it'll be X amount. The moment you say it's for a wedding, the price doubles. Why? Because they know you'll pay it. That's right. And they got you They got you. the short curlies and you've got to do it. Hey, Paul, I had a, you, you know I had a suggestion for the, the crime. Yeah. The crime deterrent. It was that... All the things that kids do when they're juveniles, yeah. whatever crime that they commit, there is an associated penalty if they're an adult. So if they break into houses, it's a two-month jail term. And what happens is that when they become 18, all those accumulated penalties and jail time is applied. Oh, so when retrospective jail sentences? On their birthday, on their 18th birthday, they've got two years and 10 months jail accumulated based on all the crimes they've done as 15 and 14 and 16-year-olds, and they end up in jail at 18 and say, here you go, thank you very much, this is what you've done. Now, that's a deterrent. Yeah, it'll never work because the argument is when they commit crimes when they're juveniles, they're not thinking like an adult. The age of criminal responsibility will come into it. It will never happen. Oh, of course not, no. But just let me get this straight. Folks, Paul is saying that all these little shits that are running the streets at night, breaking into houses, stealing cars, assaulting people, they accumulate jail time. And as soon as they turn 18, they go to jail for the crimes they committed when they were juveniles. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your call, Paul. (laughs) Okay. See ya. See ya. Let me know what you think, folks. One triple three five three. The Night Shift, Triple M. Huge hit for Kiss. Were you a Kiss fan? Are you a Kiss fan? Uh, were they a novelty? Were they a really good band or were they a novelty or a bit of both? I was never into Kiss, not really. I played a lot of Kiss uh, on the radio for my job, but I d- never owned any of the albums. Bit, bit, bit old for you, Thomas, aren't they? Well, I had a, f- a friend in high school who was a massive Kiss fanatic and mm. through him I kind of was exposed to it for mm. the first time. That was my gateway. Mm-hmm. So through him I was able to appreciate what they do. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, they're good entertainers. Um, if uh, you're like me and you can't stand pesky summer invaders, flies and mozzies, here is something exciting. I have discovered the game changer. It's called The Executioner. <laughs> it's The Executioner. It's from uh, my good mate Andrew at Pestrol. This is a very bad boy. It is the big daddy of fly and mozzie zappers. And let me tell you, it is a total game changer. It doesn't just repel them. It annihilates them. And here's the kicker. If you order the executioner now for only $149.90, they're going to throw in the tennis racket zapper for free. It's a, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's practical, but it's also a lot of fun. Head to pestrol.com.au. Remember, I only endorse products that work. I only endorse products that come with a money-back guarantee and a warranty. Pestrol.com.au. The executioner. And you get that tennis racket zapper thrown in. Free delivery Australia-wide if you use the code SPUD. I've just worked out why the code word is SPUD. Because the code word's been SPUD for ages. Because... Andrew Fennell from Pestrol is best mates with Spud Carroll. Mark Carroll, the footballer, you don't know, you're from Victoria. That's right. He played rugby league for South, played for Manly, won a grand final with Manly, played State of Origin. A huge unit, front rower, hard as, hard as rocks. And he, at one point, was Russell Crowe's bodyguard. Really? Yes. On a scale from one to Wendell Sailor, how big are we talking? Oh, bigger than Wendell. Oh, really? He's bigger than... Well, not, not Wendell now. Yeah, right. <laughs> shh, Wendell, when he was playing... Wendell, when he was playing, played out in the wing. He's not a winger now. But no, Mark, Spud Carroll, hard as anything. That's where the Spud comes from. Mark Carroll. Do you want to get... Should we get Mark? Should we get Spud on? Absolutely. We should get him on. Probably talk about HIA and those sort of things. But we should talk about being Russell Crowe's... Bodyguard, he'd have some stories, wouldn't he? If yeah, he, imagine he, being a fly on the wall there. Yeah, but he would have signed an NDA for sure. Definitely. Oh. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get Spud Carroll on. Anyway, this is the best offer from Pestrol. Free delivery anywhere in Australia. Do not let the flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Grab the executioner and enjoy the great outdoors. Pest free. Money back guarantee. Pestrol.com.au. And just while we're on the subject of the um, the rental and housing crisis, there's this story out of Victoria. Uh, I wonder if you've heard this. The Victorian government plans to demolish Melbourne's 44 public housing towers, but they're facing a legal challenge with a class action filed in the Supreme Court last Wednesday. They're arguing the redevelopment adversely affects the human rights of thousands of tenants. Announced as a key part of the state's landmark housing package in September, the then Premier, Daniel Andrews, promised that all the towers dotted across inner Melbourne would be raised and rebuilt to fit three times as many residents over the next 30 years. But of the 30,000 people who would live at the estates by 2051, 11,000 would be in social housing, a thousand more than occupy the towers now. And the remainder would be private apartments with an unspecified number of so-called affordable housing tenants. What do you make of this? 
a class action writ filed by the Inner Melbourne Community Legal last Wednesday states the government <clears throat> failed to properly consider the human rights of residents when it decided to redevelop the towers. So in order to build more accommodation, they've got to get rid of the people who are there now. What do you so what do you do with the people who are already there? What do you do with them? They say that they they're actually when when they build all this, they're gonna have a thousand extra houses. But in the meantime, they've got to get rid of the people who are already already there. Um one triple three five three is the number. Rod, good day. Good day, Luke. That's just what I was what, what I rang up about actually was that declaration the other day. Yeah, I heard it on the on the news and I thought, yeah, well, that sounds typical of state labour in Victoria. They've got to um, stuff around with stuff that works and won't do anything about things that don't work. Well, I'm not educated on this, so I need to be educated and maybe you can help me. The, the public housing towers they're looking at pulling down, is there anything wrong with them or do they have to pull them down to build bigger and better ones and more of them? There's, there's one in Carlton that used to house the uh, motor registration branch and Vic Roads and the Vic Roads head office and everything right. as well on the, gra- on the ground floor. Yep. That's completely empty and has been for at least five years. Really? Uh, there's been no refurbishment done of it by HCB or Housing Commission Victoria or well, whatever, the, uh, HHS, Housing, Housing and Human Services, as it's known now. Um because that would have taken money away from building that bloody tunnel to nowhere. Um, yeah, uh, you can't you can't ignore building, ignore and completely, as you said, what they built what seventy four new homes in four years in the in the social housing in Victoria, but now they want to turn around and turf out a minimum minimum six thousand families. And say, well, go and fend for yourselves while we knock your places down and take 30 years to rebuild them. So what's the answer? No. I mean, I'm only going off what I can read, right? They're saying that they have to pull them down to build better and more. Is that true? Well, not in the one that I lived on, because the one that I lived on, I lived on uh, lived in Park Towers, the one in Park Street in South Melbourne. Yep. And... The towers are only built on half the block there. The other half that is the green space out the front, they could build another tower right there. Because the one at the back, that's been standing 50 years and there's nothing wrong with it now. It's still solid concrete like it was 50 years ago. Right. It's still cyclone-proof. Yeah. It's still earthquake-proof. Because mm. they built it to, earth, to, to earthquake-proof and cyclone-proof standards. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway... Also, before I go, uh, drummers that were lead singers. Yes. You're missing the obvious one, mate. Dave Grohl from the Pooies. Of course, but he was the drummer in, in um, Nirvana. He, he was a drummer in Nirvana and he's the lead singer of the Pooies. Yeah, but he doesn't do lead singing and drumming. Uh, no, no. Now he plays guitar. He shows how, how multi-talented yeah. he is. I know, but and, but does and, he... But I'm talking... He was a drummer... In Nirvana, but he wasn't the lead singer in Nirvana. No, well, Kurt Cobain had that job. Yeah. So when he was in Nirvana, he was a drummer, and now he's in the Fooies. He's a singer, 
but he hasn't drummed and sung at the same time, not to my knowledge. I'm, I'm sure he did, but I, I but he, so, he wasn't famous for it. Not like Don Henley is. No, I've got, a, I've got another drummer who sang lead vocals, but he only sang lead vocals on one song, and that was Keith Knudsen from the Doobie Brothers. Oh, he did, sang, what did he, he sing? Sang lead, he sang lead vocals on, um, I don't know what's the name of it. I don't know. Tell me. Uh, I'm interested. No, I, think I had a uh, sweet Madeline. Did he? Yeah. Okay, but he wasn't famous for the being the, the doobie singer. No, no. No. Okay, so keep going. The Dave Clark Five, I looked it up, Thomas. Thanks for your help with this. Yeah, Dave Clark was a drummer. And, oh, and there's one other thing. Mm. Um, Paul, who was on before, his idea of... Uh, the juveniles racking up. Uh, retrospective jail for juveniles. What did you make of that? Well, I like the idea of effectively demerit points for committing a crime. And you serve them all with... I love, the, I love his the, the theory, but in practice it'll never work because then the little shits won't be able to get a job and you'll have to keep paying taxes to keep bastards on the dole. Uh, Rod, stay there. I've got someone who wants to talk about this and uh, you might be interested. Pete, good day. G'day, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Now, Rod's on the other line. What did you make of Paul and his idea of retrospective jail for juveniles when they and they go to jail when they, the moment they turn 18 for crimes they committed when they were juveniles? Your thoughts? I reckon it is an absolute brilliant idea because it happened to my brother. What happened? Uh, in 90, oh, back, back 80s. What happened? He started, oh, he's a little shit. He used to break into houses uh, for money. Like back in the 80s in country Queensland, the back door was always unlocked. So he didn't actually get break into the houses. He used to just walk in the back doors. So they finally caught him when he was 17. Um, he had five court appearances where they deferred it until the day he turned 18. They kept the film. But, but he committed the crime when he was a juvenile. I can't see how that worked. Well, he was 15. Sorry, he started when he was about 15 and a half, right? Caught him when he was, oh, Jesus, he was just over 17 years old when, they, when the cop was caught him, right? Hmm. So he, he got to juvenile court and they deferred. And were they deferring it on purpose to get him when he was 18, did they? Yeah, well, they knew it was him, but they could never catch him. It took them two years to catch him. Right? So they just deferred it, deferred it, deferred it. Um, the day after his 18th birthday, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> he went to court, but he went to adult court. Mm. He, he was charged with 22 counts of break and enter, and they gave him 22 months jail in Edna Creek. Rod, what, what do you make of this? Well, there you go. It just goes to show that it's possible under the law already. But the big problem now is um, they'll play the mental health card and then they get a slap on the wrist with a wet eyelash. Well, can I tell you something else? Yeah. He served 18 months. All right. Uh, then had seven months parole, or eight months parole. All right. He's never been in trouble since. Well, he learned a lesson. Oh, shit, shit, big time. Wow. I've got to ask you, Pete, when he was 15 doing all this, he was doing it at night time? Oh, no, during the day, nights, mornings. 
Well, Didn't well, matter. And, and you, you had the same parents? Oh, uh, yeah. Why was he doing it? What, where, did, where did he go wrong? Because everyone always says, oh, it's the parents. Was it? No, no, it's... it's oh. I started going down that road, but I, but I was lucky. I met my girlfriend when I was 16, mm-hmm. well, who, who became my wife. So I was lucky. Um, the next brother down, he was fine. But the youngest one, he just went rogue. Did you talk to him? Did you try and intervene? Oh, yeah, many times. And what would he say to you? I can't say that on radio. Fair enough. <laughs> it's amazing. So, you know, your same parents. As I say, it, it, it worked for him. And what Paul was saying, I believe, would work. Because it gives, as you, as you, you've beaten this drum for, for months and months and months. All right? Children today have no consequences. No consequences. For those who missed it, uh, this is Paul uh, on retrospective prison for juvenile offenders. Have a listen. All the things that kids do when they're juveniles, yeah. whatever crime that they commit, there is an associated penalty if they're an adult. So if they break into houses, it's a two-month jail term. And what happens is that when they become 18, all those accumulated penalties and jail time is applied. Oh, so retrospective jail sentences? On their birthday, on their 18th birthday, they've got two years and 10 months jail accumulated based on all the crimes they've done as 15 and 14 and 16-year-olds, and they end up in jail at 18 and say, here you go, thank you very much, this is what you've done. Wow. Pete and Rod. I, I think it's a brewing idea, and, well, I don't know what, what the authorities are going to come up with as a deterrent because, like I said, at the moment, uh, the, the penalty the penalty is, doesn't matter what you seem to do these days, if you're a juvenile, you claim you're from a broken home and you're suffering from mental anguish and God knows whatever else, and like I said, they'll pull out the wet, the wet eyelashes. The wet lashes. Yeah. yeah. All right, Rod, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for calling and promise me you'll call me back again. Oh, no worries, mate. I'll call you later in a week. That'd be, that would be great, Rod. You take care. Pete, <laughs> Pete. Yeah, mate. The thing I find fascinating about your story is that you started, you said you started to go down a, da- a bad road, but you fell in love with the right girl who kept you on the straight and narrow, and she's now your wife. Um, but oh, here. 40, 43 years. Wow. But here's the thing your brother. That you and you're using your words was a little shit. Same socioeconomic background, same parents, same neighbourhood, same opportunities, and yet he went to jail. Do you think some kids are just born that way? No, I think some kids are bored. Bored? What, why was he bored? No, no, just absolutely. Well, you're talking about country Queensland. You're talking about the eighties. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you didn't play rugby league, you didn't do anything. Sure. What, did he? If he was robbing houses during the day, he wasn't at school either. Did they know he was truanting? No, no, he wasn't. He was fifteen. He'd left school. Oh, but he didn't have a job. No. Mm. Because, like, remember, eighty-eight, uh, we had the uh, global financial crisis. All right, and employment was like twenty-three percent, and mm. uh, you know, how well, 
So he, he lived in... Re- you, and I, you and I bought a house for $30,000, right, and we're paying 18.5% interest. That's right. All right. So people think that you, uh, people of our age had it really easy. We didn't. We had it really hard. As far as finances went and, and work, uh, um, the doll it only just started, and it was a pittance. So, you know, but as I say, like, he never used to go in in and damage anything or, or anything like that. He used to just go in looking for money. That was it. Yeah. Wow. What What's he doing now? How did he turn out? Oh, he's got his own... Um, uh, lawn mowing business, and he's and he's married. Does he have a family? Yeah, he's married. He's got children. He's got four or five guys that work for him. Huh. You know. So as I said, uh, right at the start, um, they 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 bumped him until he turned eighteen. Hmm. Gave him gave him twenty two months. And he's never been in trouble since. There you are. Nice to talk to you too, Pete. Um, you're in the draw for caller of the week for sure, and so is Rod. So are so many callers this morning. Uh, so is Paul. Because we're, we're in the business of creating conversation and talking about things, and uh, it's good to talk to you. One last question for you, Pete, then I'll let you go. Yes. Do you – can you educate – can you help me get my head around this neo-Nazi thing that's going on? Why were there over 70 men all dressed in black with balaclavas on a train in Sydney heading for the city on Australia Day? What was their plan and what's going on there? I don't understand it. Do you, can you help me? Okay. Well, I've been to Germany a couple of times and whatever. All right. Uh, are you aware in the German language they don't have a word for sorry? Not at all. Really? Uh, yeah, really. It's like my missus. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> 40 years, she's never said sorry to me yet. Yeah, no. But, and, and we don't use Google anymore because she knows everything as well. Keep going. <laughs> you and I are so similar. Um, I think it's indoctrination. But what? What? they're haters. What are they hating? I know. And, 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 and my understanding is that these people haven't come here from another country bringing their dramas with them, which happens. They're Australian. And this was on Australia Day. What's the go? I don't know. Okay, but... me neither. Me neither. Pete, good to talk to you. Um, please call back any time. Hey, can I say one thing? Yeah. All right. Two weeks ago, excuse me, uh, I rang you about uh, dash cams, and I was explaining to you how it works. And About, about what? Dash cams. Oh, that, yes, yes, yes. All right. And James rang the IT guru and explained and explained to you and I about yes. the cloud. Yeah, the cloud. And I don't, yeah, that's right. And that, I said, that's why we've got so much bad weather because the bloody clouds fall. Well, I've had an epiphany over the last couple of weeks. Great. <laughs> it hurt too. Um, They're a bastard <laughs> of a thing to pass, aren't they? Oh, dead, dead right. Yeah. Now, if all the mainframes in the world are linked, yeah, okay, and now we've got AI, yeah, don't you think we're heading down the roads of the Matrix and the Terminator? Yeah, I do, I do. Um, I this cloud that has a never-ending 
absorption rate of capacity. Capacity. Yeah. I don't understand it. Everything. Where's that? Oh, it's up in the cloud. What cloud? And how full? <laughs> and when does that? And when does it get full? It doesn't. Maybe hey, Thomas, what do you think? Rate. Thomas, what do you think? You think we're heading down that road? Oh, it, your it's, it's, it's your a little generation going to have to deal with it. I didn't understand the Matrix the first time I watched it. Really? Uh, it was a bit. Yeah. So what? So what was the blue pill and the red pill? I don't know. You That's, don't know. Thanks I, very I much, just, Thomas. Take blue, on a doctor. Uh, it tells the, me to take. The blue, the, the blue pill kept you out of the Matrix. The red pill put you back into the Matrix. And how did that work? Mm. AI. But how does a pill do that? Hey, I didn't write. I didn't write the movie, and I didn't direct it either. It's science fiction for a reason. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Thanks, mate. You have a good night. Eh? Can I can I just say one more thing, and I'll let you go. Yeah. Everyone's obsessed with this AI, and is it going to take over jobs? Is it eventually going to run all computers? Is it eventually going to have the power to push the nuclear bu- bomb buttons? You know, to me, and this is just me because I'm not very technical. Before we start fretting and wringing our hands and worrying about artificial intelligence, we need to be more worried about natural stupidity. The Night Shift. Around Australia on the Triple M Network. Night shift. You know if you have a snoring problem. You know it. Um, or your missus tells you. Mind, mind you, women have sleep apnea and snoring problems, but it is usually men. Um, look, why don't you do something about it? My dad passed away way too early at the age of 67, and he was thin. He was lean. I, we all thought he was very, very fit, but he did snore. My God, did he snore. And the uh, the doctor, the coroner, said that he believed that dad's sleep apnea um, affected his heart and exacerbated his heart disease, which led to his heart attack. Look, all I'm saying is I wish back then we had known what we now know about sleep apnea because I would have got him tested and I would have got him a a CPAP machine and he might have lasted a bit longer. Anyway, look, that's in the past, but please... If you have a snoring problem, and particularly if you know that you stop breathing while you're sleeping, please get yourself tested. And the people at Sove can organise bulk billing for all of that. So there's no excuse. And a CPAP machine, the treatment, don't let that hold you back either because it's less than $3.50 a day. What you've got to do <clears throat> is visit Sove, S-O-V-E, Sove CPAP Clinic, Sove.com.au, and talk to them. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use when considering whether CPAP is right for you. Speak to your doctor. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. Plenty of people online wanting to jump on and get involved in the conversation. Back in a sec. G'day, Rod. Uh, Rob. Yeah, Luke, you Luke. Hello, Rob. Sorry I've kept you waiting so long, mate. It's all yours. Uh, yeah, um, first up, uh, the symbols on the coat of arms. Yeah. The kangaroo and the emu. And they the, cannot and, take a 
backward step. That's right. That's right. Both the emu and kangaroo can only go forwards. Yep. Correct, which is very symbolic of Australians. We do not take a backward step for anything. Well, we're not meant to anyway, but yeah. Well, we're not meant to. Uh, secondly, um, Australia Day, January 26th. Mm-hmm. People are focusing on the wrong date. Mm-hmm. It's not about the first fleet arriving. It is about 1949, 75 years ago, when the Citizenship Act came into being. Mm-hmm. Because prior to that, we were all classed as British subjects. Of course. It was 49, was it? 49, okay. 75 years ago. So, therefore, you know, this invasion day rubbish is, is just all wrong. This country was never invaded. You know, we should be celebrating the fact that we all became Australian citizens on January 26 in 1949. Is that right? Twenty. It was January 26, but it was the 1949 amendment. Correct. Look, there are a lot of. I'm sure there's a lot of things that happened on January 26, going back through the years. But we should be celebrating what the event that happened in 1949 when we all became Australian citizens. Because I've done a little bit of research, and the original Australia Day was chosen 30th of July in 1915 as a call to arms for all Australians to gather as one because of World War One. Correct. And that was the 30th of July. That was called Australia Day. Yes, but we weren't Australian citizens. We were British subjects. No. But, but we became Australian citizens in 1949 on January 26. Okay, but... Therefore, citizenship ceremonies should be held. The 80 councils this year decided, no, we won't do this. Okay, Yet, but but Indigenous Australians, including my mother and my uncles and aunts, they weren't recognised, they weren't on the census, didn't have a right to vote. It was the 1967 referendum that changed that. So, so, yeah, 29th of May. So should we, should that be the day when really all Australians then were recognised? Well, still, without what happened in 1949, we still wouldn't be Australian citizens. Mm. So that's the point. So you never. No, that's, you've got a. Ve- you've raised a really, really, really good point. And thank you. I'm going to do some more research. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. But I, but you, you, no, you never get everyone agreeing. You'll never get everyone yeah. agreeing. Someone will always make someone feel guilty about the day they celebrate. Yeah, it's also the last week of school holidays, so you, know, you get a chance to have a day off with your kids mm. before they go back to school. Mm. It's summer. The weather's generally good, unless you're in Victoria this year when it was a little bit piss poor. But um, you, 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 it's a good time of the year to have a day off. Well, I was talking to my nephew um, last week about all this, and I suggested May 20, 29, uh, 1967 referendum. He said, no, good point. No, uh, it's too cold. I want my public holiday in summer. Correct. So, I mean, you know... The majority of people want it to stay as January 26th. It suits them. It's end of school holidays. The weather's generally good. Um, they go away camping for a long weekend, depending on what day the, the date falls on. 
but it, it just works for everyone, for the majority of people. Now, but we, we're not invaded. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Rob, Rob, stay there. Robin's on the other line. She's in Albury. She wants to join the conversation. Robin, hello. Not bad yourself. Yeah, Robin, uh, and you just heard Rob. He's on the other line listening in. What did you want to say? Well, you've just said what I said was going to say the original Australia Day was 1915. It was gazetted then to raise funds for the war effort and bring the whole nation together as one. That's right. And it was that day up until 1939 when Sydney was celebrating uh, the 26th of January for the arrival of Botany, uh, Captain Cook into Botany Bay and all the states of Australia came together and agreed to change it to that day. That's the only reason it changed from the original day to that day. Rob? Well, I, I, believe that, I believe that we should be celebrating the day for the fact that the, you could be you were an Australian citizen on the twenty fifth or twenty sixth of January nineteen forty nine. That's a date that is you know, fairly important in our history as a nation. We were federated in nineteen oh one, January one, but that's New Year's Day. It's a holiday anyway. But but Captain uh, Captain Cook arrived in Botany Bay on the 29th of April, 1770. Yeah, he was an explorer. He was an explorer. Um, was that Invasion Day? No, he was an explorer and a cartographer. But he didn't, he he didn't, colonize, he, he didn't colonize us. No, he didn't. But, but the, I remember, I was, I'm old enough to remember, uh, my mum took me into the city and there was this huge celebration, the Bicentennial of 1770. It was massive. Um, and there, yeah, the 29th of April, 1770 is Captain Cook at Botany Bay. Well, in Melbourne, we've had just recently over the weekend, we've had two Captain Cook statues, um, mm. vandalized. Yep. And yet he wasn't a colonizer. No. He wasn't an invader. He wasn't, he, he was an explorer. Mm. Yeah. And people targeting the wrong thing because they don't have an understanding of the history. Robin? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Well, it was originally, the and it brought the nation together as one. All races, colours, no matter what you were. Aboriginal, because Aboriginals also served our country mm-hmm. in in either both wars or one. one no, they served wars. Australia in the Boer War as well. Yes. In the Boer War, that's correct. World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea, you name it. Yeah, that, that's correct. And if you go back through history again, if you look at the um, the, uh, the the uh, the cross, the um, Southern Cross, no Southern Cross, the the medal that that you awarded, mm-hmm. uh, the medal you get awarded if you do something. Uh, gallantry, right? The Victoria Cross. Victoria Cross, that's correct. You, if you look at that, the first Australia Victoria Cross was awarded in 2006. Before that, it was the Imperial Victoria Cross because our, our first Victoria, Imperial Victoria Cross was won by uh, Lieutenant Magar in the Boer War. And there's also Magar Hill on the way down to Melbourne. Okay. 
There you go. A bit of history. Bit of history, everybody. Look, it's it's good conversation. Robin, I really appreciate you chiming in. Thank you. No, that's no problem. Yeah, good stuff. And Rob, thank you to you. Thank you, Luke. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, I, I want to get back to Paul's phone call. Retrospective jail time for juvenile offenders. What did you make of that? So you accrue jail points while you're a juvenile, and as soon as you turn 18, you go to jail for all the crimes you committed when you were a juvenile. That would never work, would it? Because the previous caller said, in order to stop juvenile crime, there must be consequences. And the trouble at the moment is there are no consequences. They get hit with a wet eyelash, he said. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Give us a call. The night shift, triple M. Yeah. From hell freezes over. You're welcome. There you are with Don Henley. Drumming and singing. One triple three five three. Is the telephone number. Hey, where's Kirsty? Is it Kirsty? Hi, Luke. How are you? I'm very well. Happy Monday. Thanks for calling. What's up? Well, firstly, I just want to say welcome back to you guys. I'm so glad you're back. Oh, Kirsty, we've been back for two weeks now. I know. Well, where have you I'm, been? Well, I've tried to call in, but you guys are getting so popular, I can't get through. I need I, like my own personal line. It, that, do you want a hotline? Can we organise? I do. A, can we organise a my hotline? own personal hotline? Like the Kirsty line. The Kirsty line. <laughs> the Kirsty line. Hey, hey listen. Um, I love the idea of uh, the caller that called in, Paul. I think it was in relation to they collect demerit points, and then when they turn eighteen, they actually have to do the time. Do you do you like that idea? Do you reckon it would work? I think it would work. But wouldn't the, wouldn't the civil libertarians go berserk? They would say, how can you send somebody to jail for crimes when they committed when they were juveniles? Us, the Karens, right? That's exactly what they would say. But us, the victims, and the victims would be, thank God someone's doing something, put them away because they violated my rights, they violated my home, they came into my house, videoed themselves, patting my dog, uh, stepping over us, getting our phones and uh, wallets and keys and stealing our car. I reckon the victims would be up for it, I tell you. Do you know what? I, I can't imagine anything more frightening than a home invasion. That you wake up at 100%. night and there's somebody in your house. That must be the most frightening thing. That that would live with you. The post-traumatic stress disorder that that would create would last forever? Oh, 100%. You know, like one of the reasons that I became admin of Queensland Crime was I had two attempted break-ins in my house and it was absolutely terrifying. The first time, I think I slept with one eye open for six to seven months. I was terrified. The second time, I got super angry and I was like, right, I'm going to do something about this and hence why I started Stolen Cars Queensland and then it moved to Queensland Crime because our other group got shut down because I ousted so many criminals and drug, I drug remember you. I remember you now. So yeah. just, gee, I, I remember you now. So yeah. Kirsty, just tell my listeners who don't know who you are, what you do and how it works. 
Okay, so I run a crime page for the whole of Queensland. Um, I post up stolen vehicles for people. Uh, what I actually do is behind the scenes, I follow numerous amount of juvenile crime crime children on uh, Instagram. I try and match up the vehicles with the owner of the vehicle that's posted on my group. And then I reach out to them and try and help them locate the vehicle or I'll send the intel to police or I'll just post it up and hope that the owner sees the information and can use that information to try and locate their car. But what's happening lately is I'm starting to do, well, I've always done this. I deal a lot with people behind the scenes, especially victims, you know, helping them with insurance, helping them with just dealing with the fact that they were violated and then things were taken. This weekend, though, it's absolutely been crazy. The last three days, seriously, I haven't slept in 72 hours. All I've been doing is posting up crime, speaking to parents behind the scenes, mm. you know. And one of the things, the reason actually why I rang was, look, you know, when I started doing this four years ago, I had compassion for these kids. I sort of thought, well, you know, these kids have come from rough families. You know, obviously they're making poor choices. But then four years down the track, I'm speaking to victims constantly behind the scenes at 3 a.m. in the morning. They're terrified. You know, the fact that four years ago when kids were breaking into houses to steal keys, to steal cars, they weren't armed. Now they're armed with machetes, mm. golf clubs, baseball bats, and it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. But then this weekend, all I have done, all I've dealt with is parents behind the scenes. Talking to good parents, right, really beautiful parents, who are struggling to keep their kids on the straight and narrow. And there's nothing. Youth justice isn't helping, isn't supporting. They just keep handing the kid back. And the kid's off the rails, stealing from the parents, beating their parents up, you know, threatening that they're going to smash the house apart. It's terrible. And then when you actually, it's just, it's crazy. I, I, I don't even know the solution. Like, no. oh how, God, how did you get into this? What made you get into this? Um, I had two attempted break-ins in my house. And you had enough. And I'd had enough. And I just felt like people needed help because I felt like no one would help me. Wow. So I just, I just felt like people needed help. And then it's just taken on a life of its own. I mean, the original group, Facebook group that I had had 60,000 members mm-hmm. and we had amazing traction. You know, Channel 7, 9 and 10 were watching the page police were using the page for intel Mm. and then i got shut down from facebook because i had so many violations because i ousted criminals and drug dealers online facebook shut you down did they yeah they did and then i i actually um had a backup group just in case asked a lot of members just to join the backup group just in case and thank god i did because we got twelve thousand members now and i'm still helping the community still supporting everyone but I just wish we had a solution. I wish the government would get off the damn ass, change the juvenile laws, and let these kids be charged with what they should be charged. You know, it's it's not fair. Like, these kids, look, I get that some of these kids are off the rails because they've had a poor life. I get it. But what about the victims who, you know, have had their kids stabbed? Like Ben Beaumont, for instance. I talked to him behind the scenes. His kid was stabbed. And those two kids, the 14-year-olds, high-fived each other and ran off. Court case lasted three years. He got abused by family members that killed his kid for three years, won the court case. Both of them got seven to nine years. 
all they have to do is 60% two and a half years. They both appealed it and both of them could walk free in February. Like, how is that fair to, to people of Australia? How is that fair to anybody? These kids, were, I, these kids were 14. 14 when they stabbed that poor kid. Do, what, do you, what do you say to the argument a 14-year-old's brain hasn't developed properly, they really didn't know what they were doing? I call bullshit. Absolute bullshit. They know exactly what they're doing. I follow 1,400 people on Instagram. They're all juvenile criminals. They're all filming it. They all think they're super cool. They're not super cool. They're assholes. They've got no respect. And one of the reasons they have no respect is there's no outcome. Basically, No, the no police, consequences. The police, absolutely. No consequences. The police arrest them. They do their job. They write a report saying to them, please don't give them bail. And what does the magistrate do? Give them bail. And I keep saying, until one of these juveniles walks up into a magistrate's house or a politician's house and stabs their kid or their animal or burns their house down or steals their car, the law won't change. Do you think there needs to be more accountability within the judiciary? And if the police have arrested a career criminal and he goes before the magistrate and they say, look, he's done this, 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 this and this, and he's violent and he's a threat to, to the community, please don't give him bail and the magistrate gives him bail, and he goes out and seriously hurts or kills someone, should the judiciary take on more responsibility? Should they be more accountable? 100%. 100%. I think one of the, the problems is with the judicial system is, one, um, until politicians change the law, the magistrates have their hands bound, uh, police have their hands bound. However, magistrates can step up and have the law change, but they don't. And I think the other situation is is that none of us have a voice anymore. You know, they've changed the laws so much for juvenile crime that no one has a voice. Parents can't even reprimand their kids. You know, when I was a kid, if I did something wrong, my dad would give me a hiding and throw me in my room and go, right, you're banned for a week. No TV, no radio, because in my day, we didn't have social media. We didn't have mm, phone, mm, mm. you know. So you got a hiding, which was like two smacks on your ass. You were thrown in your room and you were, and you were told that all you're going to do is go to school and do chores. That's it. Nowadays, I mean, I've got some friends whose kid's off the rail at the moment. If he even lays a hand on her and says, right, out of the house, no, nah, he's, he's charged with assault. Like, it's ridiculous. And, and it's just, it's, we have no solutions. I wish I could find a solution. I feel like, you know, I'm trying to find a solution, but I just feel like the government, the politicians aren't finding a solution to help anybody. And it's just getting worse. I've never seen crime so bad and so amped up across Australia my entire life. I mean, obviously, I manage Queensland and Queensland theft. I swear, is up to like 80% increase and police have had enough. When I talk to police, they go, I'm just done. I don't even know why I do this job anymore. It's, it's just too much. I lock these kids up. I take them off the street. I try and help the victim. The magistrate lets them out on bail. We have all sorts of people from all walks of life that listen to this program and I bet you we have magistrates or retired magistrates I'd love them to call in and tell me, are we being too harsh? 
just exactly what are the powers of a magistrate. Now, in sentencing, it's quite clear. But when it comes to refusing bail, when an experienced police officer pleads with the magistrate, don't give this person bail because they're a danger to society, and they do give them bail, why? I'd love to hear from them. I think one of the reasons, Luke, is the reason why they do give them bail, and I'm probably making a little bit of an assumption, but I think with my knowledge and what I've been doing for the last four years, um, I think I'm like hitting the nail on the head in one perspective, is we don't have enough beds to actually put these kids in a juvenile centre. That's number one. Number two, our jails are overcrowded. So the choice for a magistrate is where do I put them? So at the moment, like I know somebody who has been through hell and back and he's arrested and he's still in uh, after four weeks, still sitting in the watch house waiting to go into juvie because there's no spaces. So basically they're put in a room with 20 other kids and they're all just sit there, they're fed three times a day, and that's it. And they're waiting for a bed in juvenile, in juvie. It's really sad. Does juvenile detention uh, help rehabilitate, or does it just make these kids better criminals? Well, that's the thing. They're not getting rehabilitated. So when they're put into juvie, they can just run amok. They can lie on their bed and go, right, I'm just going to watch TV all day. And the officer will walk along and go, right, oh, guys, let's go to school. Let's go exercise. Let's do this. And if they say no, they just say no. And, they, so and no, they're, not, they're not made to do what the officer says. Correct. And there's no counselling for them. There's no programs that are actually changing them and, and making them better people. And literally, they come out of juvenile probably – more smarter than they were when they went in and and they're lining themselves up for jail. And it's devastating because, I mean, you know, like like I said, I'm dealing with parents behind the scenes who their kids are off the rails and they say to me, Kirsty, what am I going to see in the next year? I think my kid's going to be dead on the street or going to jail. And it's heartbreaking, really, to be honest. I bet it is. Kirsty from Queensland Crime, who rings the program from time to time. It's very, very interesting. And it all started with a caller, Paul, who says there should be retrospective jail because there needs to be consequences for these juveniles that keep breaking the law and committing serious crimes. So work out the jail time, and as soon as they hit 18, send them to jail. It might be Our jails might be getting very, very fuller every time someone turns 18. Uh, Kirsty. Thank you for calling back. Yeah, no worries. I'm really if people want to get in touch with you and learn more, what do they do? They just need to go to Queensland Crime. It's just QLD Crime exclamation mark. Yes. And most people know that I will post on the page, but if they need to message me, they can just message me behind the scenes, but they'll get my details via the Queensland Crime page. Queens- I'm going to type it in and have a look at it. Queensland and you just, you just put it into your search. So, so just go QLD space QLD crime D space space crime crime exclamation mark exclamation point online crime map Queensland Police News. No, it should just say Queensland Crime. QLD space crime C R I M E exclamation point. No, I haven't got it. Exclamation mark. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I can't, I can't. Thomas will find it. He'll show me. I've done something wrong. Um, yeah, no, that's all right. I'll, um, you found it. I'll actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I'll, on Facebook. I'll, it's on Facebook. I just yeah, put I'll it in. Yeah, sorry, I just put it Facebook. in. I just put it in the Google. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no wonder I can't. It's on Facebook. Okay. Nah. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I just no. said that. I apologise. No, 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 no. I'm the idiot. I'm the idiot. No, you're not. I am. I, I call all this white man's magic. I don't get it at all. I leave it up to hey, Tom. By the way, mm. I love the blue glasses. Oh shit. Are you, so are you watching me now? Uh, no, no, no. But on Facebook now, you guys, you you are filming yourself first thing up before the show, yeah. which you haven't done before. And I was looking tonight, and I was like, "Hmm, loving the glasses, Lukey." Well, well you want to know what happened? I um, I lost my glasses. I, I don't. Oh, no. get, I don't. Um, I don't have prescription glasses, and there's a very good reason for that. I'll lose them, and I'll break them. Um, I did. I, I went to Specsavers or OPS. I forget which one. It's whoever my um, private health is with. I forget. And they yeah, were yeah. and they were going to give me two pairs for, for the a, price of one. For the price of one. So I got reading glasses, and then I got sunglass prescription glasses because we were going on holidays, and I wanted to be able to read my book at the beach. Yeah, right. I've lost them both. <laughs> I have no idea whether. So these glasses are from the two dollar shop. Oh, I love it. Actually, when I saw the glasses, I thought of Gemma, and I thought, she's going to ring in and go, Lukey, Lukey, Luke. I, I don't know where she's gone. Where is our Gemma? I don't know. Where has she gone? Oh, her husband came I back. I don't know. Then. No, he got out of jail, but now then, then she split up from him again. Yeah. She got she got really busy, obviously, she got but very- then we... We haven't heard from her ages, and honestly, when I was looking on your on the Facebook reel and I saw you with the glasses, I thought, oh, my God, Gemma's going to go through the roof. Well, let's put out a call. Gemma, where are you? Yes, I'd love to hear from her because she just brightens my day. And she does that song. How's the song go? Looky, looky, looky. <laughs> says, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Looky, looky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if that doesn't attract, then nothing will. Hey. <laughs> Kirsty, lovely to talk to you. Take care. All right, guys. Have a great night. Bring me back anytime. I will. Bye. This is the night shift. The night shift on the Triple M Network. I told you about this. Um, let me just get it for you. This Pestrol flyer mozzie. Killer. Um, there is something else too you can get, which gets rid of flies and mosquitoes and ants and fleas and cockroaches and dust mites. It's called the Pestrol Premium Bug Free Bundle, and it repels all those pests and more. Money back guarantee. It's user friendly. It's programmable. It features a remote control, and even I can work it out. Bug Free is made using natural pyrethins. And it covers a generous area of 150 square metres indoors and 5 by 5 metres outdoors. And it comes with two Pestrol premium dispensers and multiple refills that will get you through the insect season. I'm going to give one of these away. You can purchase the Pestrol premium bug-free bundle for only 120 Which one will I, will I give away? The Annihilator, which is the big mozzie Annihilator, or the, this one for, for call of the week? Depends how big the bugs are. I'll give one of these away for call of the week. Order online and use the code BUGOFF 
for this exclusive offer. Free delivery anywhere in Australia. Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, pestrol.com.au. The quickie is coming up soon. It's nearly a brand new quickie. We started it last Thursday. It was a hell of a long time ago. So um, the quickie coming up, Thomas, is there a clue today or not? Oh, there will be by the time the sparrows fall. Okay, there will be a clue. But the quickie is coming up very, very shortly here on the night shift. All right, the quickie. It sounds like... Are you listening? Lean forward. Stop what you're doing. The quickie. It sounds like this. Now, we started it on Thursday, so really there's no clue to that. But I might give you one... I might give you a clue a little bit later. See, we, we, we could possibly get a winner because that quickie has been on our podcast right, uh, right across the long weekend. And so I think plenty of you have had a listen and you probably know what it is. Here it is again. That's the quickie. One triple three five three is the number. The Night Shift, around Australia on the Triple M Network. Luke Boner. The Night Shift. All right. No, I'll give you a clue. Thomas has given him a clue because it is officially day two. So the quickie, it sounds like this. It is a 1980s song. Huge hit. Huge hit in the 1980s. Sounds like this. That's the quickie. Off you go. Oh, I was talking to myself then. <laughs> I was really getting into that. Powder thing. Um, the next time I play Ramble On by Led Zepp, did you get the email I sent you on Thursday? Which one? <laughs> I sent you Ramble On, and I said, you'll never listen to this the same way again because you caught me dancing and singing along. Um, what's the saying? Dancing and singing as though no one's watching. And I wish but you were watching. A, there was a camera in here that could capture all that magical essence. I just, it's a song that gets me going. I should play it a little bit later. Um, but anyway, that was Powderfinger here on the night shift. One, and I was getting into that. One triple three five three. Hey, you've heard the buzz about Nature Bees Power Pollen. Look, all I'm asking you to do is, if you've got time, Google health benefits associated with pollen, and you'll be blown away. The Nature Bee Power Pollen is the best, in my opinion, because it's potentiated. It's been milled. The husks have been broken, and all that goodness goes straight into your bloodstream. Just give it a go because there's no risk because it comes with a 100% money-back guarantee, no questions asked. And this is your chance to give it a go because they're giving a free week. They're giving away a free week. Just go onto the website. You'll see it. The code is 10 off, and you'll, you'll pay just $29.95, and you can have a week's free supply, a week's free supply of Nature B, Nature's Superfood. Stocks are very limited, so you better hurry. 1-800-147-009. But look, just go on to powerpollen.com.au. What's the latest in American politics? What is Donald Trump up to? He's in a lot of trouble. Um, he's winning the Republican race. He could well. It looks as though I think he will be the Republican candidate. He could well win. But will he be the commander-in-chief behind bars? 
Dr. Keith Suda has the very latest for us shortly. Brad, hello. Hello. How you going? I'm good, thank you, Brad. What's up? Um, you know, there's a, somebody said earlier that you know there's no there's no solution to the problem. I'd like to tell you that there is a solution to every single problem. There is every problem has a solution. What what so, what particular problem are you referring to, Brad? Well, any topic that's come up tonight, bring it up. Youth justice. Why do, why do children act out the way they do? Mm-hmm. They were neglected as children themselves. Their parents abused the alcohol. They suffered the sins of their parents. All, all of them? Happiness. They want to get their PlayStation that they never had. They want to ride on the motorbike that they never got the chance to ride on. You know, a lot of the Indigenous kids, they haven't even left their hometown. They've never even left their hometown to go out for a barbecue to Lake Eaton or Lake Green or even seen the beach and they only live in Mariba. What about the bloke who rang earlier, whose younger brother was a dead shit, and he said his parents were great? What do you say to that? Well, maybe the older kid bullied the younger kid. I'm telling you, I, I was the youngest of four children, and all three of my older siblings bullied me at some point or other. I, I would go to school and get bullied at school. How did, how did your siblings bully you? What did they do? Oh, hold you down and give you a purple nurple, pull at your ears to make them bigger and stand out. They rip your hair out of your bloody head when your parents aren't looking. They're all the things that upset us as a children, and so we act out as a teenager. Mm. So how did you work out? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I came out fine at the end. And do you have I, children? Not, no, I've never had children, no. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I haven't been a parent. I've been a step-parent. Yeah. Um, I've been in a relationship where I've helped raise the children and those children have a lot of respect for me and they still call me uncle or dad. Some of them still call me dad. Um, so you've done a good job? I think I do. I think I do, yeah. 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 I've never had a full-time job, but that's only because it doesn't mean I haven't applied. It doesn't mean I don't have skills. I mean, I've, I started an apprenticeship uh, with Deffing in Port Douglas. I learned a lot of skills there. But they kept saying, oh, no, you can keep washing dishes, you know. So I lost interest in it. I didn't want to be a chef anymore. Oh, um, that's a shame. But, but, I mean, if you want to be a chef, you go to TAFE and you become a chef. And chefs um, don't just do dishes. So did, did you do your training? Yeah. I, I, well, I watched the other people around. So you're a qualified chef? I, I think I can cook a lot better than a lot of qualified chefs. So you're not a qualified chef, but you're a good cook. I'm very good cook. Okay, yes. but you're not a chef. No, I haven't received my part work. No. Right, so every restaurant you work in, they just the bureaucratic. I didn't want to go through the bureaucracy of all the drama and all the trauma. I didn't want to have to travel down to Brisbane to do my training. Mm. I mm. I lived around the Tablelands and around Mossman and Cairns. So um, there are plenty of good cooks who aren't chefs that that run good kitchens. Yeah, I know, and I've applied to a few. I've applied, I've applied to a few cafes and stuff, and they're all like, "Oh no, you haven't got, you haven't got your chef qualifications, so we don't really want to know you." It's, I find that hard to. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to hear that because since COVID, uh, the hospitality industry is screaming out for people like you, Brad. Do you have Do you have references? I'm just trying to work out why you can't find a job. Because I'm very multi skilled. Um, I can't be stuck in just one thing all day, doing one thing all day. No, you see, you might have to find, most jobs want you to sort of do your job while you're at work. No, that's why I went to, um, mm. I don't know if you heard about the Yumba Festival. Right. Okay, now the penny's dropping. Now I can, I can kind of get why he hasn't got a full-time job. He doesn't really want one. Um, 
there was a lot of good stories and yarns that were told where different communities, different um, cultural representatives of different mm. communities got up and had a talk okay. about their life story and stuff. All right. Well, look, I wish you all the best, Brad. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Don't call me back. Fucking it. I didn't call him. He called me. That's right. He called me. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a funny feeling, Brad. I know why you can't find a full-time job. You have a massive, massive attitude problem and you think the world owes you something. This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift on the Triple M Network. Ah, dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Dear, oh dear. I can't find a full-time job because I don't... I like to do different things. No, when you've got a job, you're paid to do your job, Brad. The world doesn't know you're a living, son. Okay, kids, here we go. The quickie. I'll give you another listen. Lean forward. I need your attention. Eyes to the front. Yes, I'm talking to you. Here comes the quickie. The clue today is it's 1980s. Big hit in the 1980s. It's a rock classic. The quickie sounds like this. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. Who's that? What is it? That's the quickie. Jump on board. One triple three five three. Kenny Logan's here on the night shift. Uh, email from Taylor, who says that bloke Brad, who uh, thinks he's the best chef, can outcook chefs, but didn't want to do his training. Wonders why. He can't keep a job. I think he gave himself away. I think he showed us all why he can't keep a job. He has obviously anger management problems. Um, He has delusion of grandeur. And um, he thinks, I can tell in the workplace, he he wouldn't be able to give him directions because he would know better. He would know better. And the the moment you disagree with him, don't call me again. By the way, I didn't call you, Brad. You called me. So don't call me again. Oh, I don't care. You're going. You're good entertainment. But um, what? Has he rung back, has he? No, no. I was just thinking to myself, imagine the, the trouble and the power we'd have if this being a talkback show, we call everybody rather than them calling us. That'd be interesting. So as a, yeah, as a talk radio program, we actually call people. Yeah. So wh- how would we find their numbers? Or we just random? Uh, we, we have the, the white pages. Do they still have white pages? Oh, they're still out there. They're not, are they? No one gets a telephone book delivered anymore, do they? Surely. Somewhere in Australia, there'd be a white pages. A to K, L to Z? Yeah. Because they had to halve it. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, it was all one. And yet, so many people. Back when I was a kid, it was all white pages, and the back was the yellow pages, <laughs> all in one book. And that was the choice of weapon that police would use to question you with. Yeah. But anyway, so we would just get the white pages and what we would just ring random people, see if they answered, and then ask them what they thought on different topics. No, I don't think it's going to work, Thomas. I don't think. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. You're an ideas man, but nah, nah, nah. Andrew from Lithgow, good morning. How you going, Lukey boy? Good, thanks, buddy. You all right? I'm all good. Yeah, good. always good. Yeah. How about yourself? Are you good? Oh, never seen it brighter. <laughs> and I'm so glad I don't work in the kitchen with Brad. Oh, buddy, I don't think. Imagine that. Uh, Imagine that. No. Oh, Jesus. Not at all. I'm glad I don't work anywhere with him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I I can cook better than most chefs. Have you done your training? No, I couldn't be bothered. Ah, bugger that shit. Yeah, bugger that (laughs) shit, yeah. I'll I'll just stay on the dole. Um, Andrew, what's up? 
the quickie, mate. Okay, I'll give you another listen. Are you ready? Yeah. Now, it's it's a bit tricky, isn't it? It is, yeah. 1980s, a super hit in the 1980s by a super artist or band. Mm-hmm. Could be an artist, could be a band. Could be anything. <laughs> Shut up. Could be anything. Well, ask Brad, he'll know. That's what, you know, Thomas, one day when you write your memoirs, and the day will come, you'll write a book about it, and I'll be in it, I'll be there. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you, you, the book is going to be called, it could be anything. That's right. Even that. Well, it's going to be called Denim on Denim. No. Andrew, go ahead. Uh, Money for Nothing, Die Straight. Oh, good guess. And an 80s classic. Mmm. Nah. Ah, dang. Okay, keep thinking. Awesome, Awesome. thanks, Luke. Keep thinking, Andrew. Have a great day. G'day, Greg. Yeah, g'day. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, buddy. Really good. good. Okay, on the quickie, I was thinking of my... Might be Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. That's I a very them. good guess. God, it sounds like it. Which which one of their songs? I love rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh bugger! I know. <laughs> Get his hopes up. Uh, well, that's right. You've got to give people some hope. You've got to give right. them a light at the end of the tunnel. In this day and age, when everyone's so cranky, even if it's wrong. Yeah. That's, that's the one. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> When you've got more time, I'll have a chat about some of the discussions you've had this morning. But, well, that's okay. Um, I've, I've always got time for you, Greg. What did you, what, what one in particular? Pick oh, one. Well, well, Brad, for instance. I mean, that, that, that was just you know, crazy stuff. I mean, I, I have gone through different walk, walks of life and training and, and always got a job. I mean, he he doesn't want, he can't be worked with. He, he's, he thinks he's right. On everything, he would not be able to be taught. A senior chef with years of experience would say, "No, Brad, this is how I'd like you to do this," and he would know better. And he would throw a tantrum. You heard him at the end of the phone conversation. He's got anger management problems, mate. The guy's got a, the guy's got massive problems. For sure, for sure, for sure. Also, on, on that home invasion stuff. Oh um, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's pretty disgusting stuff all the way through. But I don't know if you remember a few years ago. An old fellow like myself in, in Forestville, he and his wife um, had a home invasion. Uh, they stole keys to his uh, uh, Range Rover or whatever it was, Land Rover or whatever it was. Um, try, tried to get away with that, but he had an isolation switch on it. So while they were trying to get the damn car started, he shot the guy in the bum with an arrow. <laughs> uh, in Forestville? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man after blowing heart, that one. <laughs> he shot him in the ass with a bow and arrow. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and find it. It's yeah. it's only in the somewhere, yeah. But uh, classic, absolute classic. Yeah. And, and in ter- terms of the um, you know, Australia Day stuff, I mean, Australia Day is supposed to be celebrating we are all Australians. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I understand, um, you know, the indigenous um, side of things, you know, because the disease was introduced and it created you know, massive deaths in, in the population, and then, then and the submission, blah blah blah, and, uh, and the mistreatment, basically. But yeah, that, that that is the past now, isn't it? Or does it really continue today? Uh, look, you'll never you'll never find a date that everyone agrees on. That's my point. You never ever will. I've the one in Forestville. I can't find. See if I'll see if Thomas can find Home Invader Forestville Intruder shot with bow and arrow because I've got another one. 
This was in um, Wattle Grove, southwest Sydney, 2016. An intruder has been shot in the buttocks with an arrow after being chased from a house in Sydney southwest by the resident armed with a bow. Police said a 68-year-old man and his wife are in their home in Wattle Grove on Sunday, 5.20, when a man aged in his 30s broke in and stole cash and the keys to their car. As he started the car on this next trail and attempted to reverse out of the garage, the resident armed himself with a wooden, epic, traditional bow and arrow and confronted the intruder, who got out of the car and fled over a fence. The man, whilst fleeing got shot in the ass. No, no, Matt, but you said Forestville. Maybe there's another one. Oh, you said Forestville. And I, 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 I thought I, you I, said Forestville I, and you said Range Rover. It was a Nissan X-Trail. Could that oh, be? Hang on. Uh, yeah. That's the only one I can find. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he probably got charged. I haven't gone to the bottom of the story. Hey, listen, thanks for your call, Greg. Have a good one. Hey, listen, ring me tomorrow and we'll talk about anything else, okay? All right, thanks, buddy. See you, mate. Bye-bye. One triple three five three. The quickie sounds like this. It's a 1980s classic rock hit. What is it? We need the name of the song. We need the name of the artist. David Littleproud, head of the Nationals, joins us next. David Littleproud, uh, leader of the Nationals, coming up in just a second. He's got some thoughts on uh, juvenile crime. He's got some thoughts on the housing crisis. He's got some thoughts on neo-Nazis. He'll join us in a sec. Thomas, you've sent me some audio. What have you sent me? Yeah, Brad got me thinking. We have an interesting range of callers here on the night shift. Yes, there's something for everyone. There is, there is. And everybody comes from different walks of life. And Mm. there was a fellow who we spoke to Mm -hmm. who said something very profound that I think left you and I a little bit speechless. Mm -hmm. When was this? It was probably early last year. It was around the time. We were talking about uh-huh. uh, the, the, the snobbery of the education system, how people, we constantly say how people are going into university to get university degrees, yeah. but they don't do anything with that degree. Mm. And, they, and, and, to, and to save them paying a hex fee back, they just stay in university and keep doing more degrees. That's correct. Yes. So this was um, someone who, shall we have a listen? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what, what – I can't remember this. So y- you want me to play this? This will be a trip down memory lane for you. You think there is a snobbery involved in the education? Yeah, uh, okay. And parents are uh, channeling their kids towards university degrees, even if they're not academic. Definitely. All right. Interesting stuff. Greg, thanks for your call. What do you do? No. Um, I'm a poet and philosopher, actually. Yeah. And is there much money in that? Oh, no. I live under the poverty lane, way under. So there's not much money in poetry and uh, and philosophy at the moment. Well, uh, I mean, if you publish, but you've got to be good. So what do you do to make money? Um, I um, mm-hmm. receive um, what, what would you call it? An unemployment benefit. The um, so when was the last time you applied for a job that uh, might involve getting your hands dirty, maybe getting a few calluses and bending your back a bit? No, I wouldn't go for that. Just no, right. because you're a philosopher. Yeah, that's the story. Yeah, good on you. Good on you, Greg. One triple three five three. That is the <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. One triple three five three is the telephone number. So there you have a philosopher who is telling us what's wrong with the world, but is doing absolutely nothing about it because he's too busy philosophizing about it. Well, what do you do?
Do you reckon it's beneath him? Yeah, possibly. Something like that. Possibly. <laughs> Ian, is it? Yes, mate, yeah. Yeah, good day, mate. I'm just, I'm just laughing at the bloke. Yeah. I'm so shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> mate, I just can't get over what people say. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They, mate, they get me laughing. They get me laughing, I won't stop. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, I'm proud of my job. Oh, you're Shift your night into gear. My brain starts getting weird this time of night. Shift your way of thinking. What are you thinking about? The night. It's going to be a good night. Shift on the Triple M Network. I'm an, I'm an unemployed philosopher. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm a bit of a philosopher. Yeah, but you can get paid to do it. Mm. In the words of Rene Descartes, well, kind of, uh, I drink, therefore I am. No one's come close to the quicker yet. The clue is 1980s. It was a huge hit in the 1980s. This is it. Graham, hello. G'day, mate. How you going? Knock it over. I'm thinking Aerosmith, love in an elevator. No. No. Uh, no, 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 no. But oh, well, bad luck. You're kind of on track, kind of. <laughs> All right, Gray. Keep Thanks, thinking. Mike. There'll be another clue on the podcast today if we don't get a winner today. 1980s, huge hit. That is the quickie here on Triple M. What a weekend of sport this long weekend has been. And Michelle Bishop from Channel 7 joining me shortly with all of it, including the cricket, the tennis, and everything in between. Van Halen here on the Night Shift. Bishop is next. Um, Matt from Shepparton. Talk to me. Hello? Yes, Matt, I'm here. Oh, how you going, mate? Good, mate. Um, I just wanted to have a go at the quickie, Luke. Yes, I'm listening. I think it's Guns N' Roses November Rain. We're kind of in the right area, but no. Bugger. Keep thinking, Matt, there'll be a clue on the podcast today if we don't get a winner today. Darren, hello. Hi, good morning. What is it, Darren? Uh, Alice Cooper Poison. No, 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 it's not. 1980s. Huge artist. Um, that's all I can tell you at this stage. Someone will get it. Someone will get it. Uh, one triple three five three. if you'd like to jump on board. Michelle Bishop is next with sport. Thanks to Power Pollen, Nature Bead. Two little golden capsules every day. It gets you going. Michelle Bishop, g'day to you. Good morning. Wouldn't leave home without them, let me tell you. Keep me absolutely pumped and, and ready to talk to you on mornings like this. Do you have your nature be in the morning or at night? Always in the morning. Right, me too. First thing. Morning. And if you've Religion. got if you've got little kitties, you can pull the capsule apart and sprinkle it on their cereal or in their juice, and it's so easy. Power Pollen, Nature Bee. You get a week for free with their special deal. Go online and have a look. Now, Michelle Bishop, just before we talk about real sport, <laughs> you can you, hear the buzz. <laughs> you had a win on Saturday. You uh, and just have a racehorse, and it won. What's the story? 
So excited. Just a small share in a little filly. Uh, her name's Winning Proposal through Vardy Thoroughbreds, uh, trained by Christian Buchanan up there in Wales. So it's just a little, you know, jumping on board, having a little bit of fun. And look, picture this. We're out in the middle of a yacht on Stradbroke Island just having a bit of a visit. My, my eldest son's up in uh, Queensland playing football. And here are us in the middle of the ocean screaming and uh, for this horse to come home. Only over 900. So very, very first uh, first race. She's such a, a dear little thing and she got home. over the, Her run to the line was absolutely absolutely sensational just such a buzz for me not about the betting it's just all about the horses and having fun and i urge anyone to grab a little bit of a share in a racehorse because it's really? so much fun oh honestly and and the, the jockey and a roper she was absolutely fantastic so look we're just excited as i said it was over only a really small race over 900 at newcastle there and you know look it you know you just got to grin and bear and hope and pray that it just gets better from there but if it doesn't it's a fun ride and what's a share and a little horse worth. Oh, it's a stupid question. How long's a piece of string? Stu- yeah, well, that's it was a stupid- very true. I think she was she was bought on. Uh, I think at the English sales for around fifty thousand, um, and I, I well, it cost me five grand. So there you go. Okay, and it's five grand's worth of fun. Did you win that? Five grand, and you've seen the vet bills come in and bits and pieces, and I'm not going to colour it. It is uh, it can be a little bit of an expensive exercise, but look, as I say, I'm not really into the betting. I just make sure, and the first thing I did the, the following day was make sure that she she pulled up okay. Um, we all got a video and a bit of a you know running commentary from uh, from the trainer. I mean, these are the, the this is what everyone does. The Chris Wallers of the world. He's listening. Um, He's listening. Oh, they, oh, we love Chris. We know we, I, I can't afford to share with Chris at the moment, but I'm getting there. <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Bish. What's her name again? Thank you. Uh, winning proposal. Winning proposal. Keep an eye for it. Keep an eye for it. Hey, Bish, what about this? Just recount this moment, relook at this moment, Wendy. Off stump, the top of off stump. It goes reeling. <laughs> what a super. What sore toe. What sore toe. <laughs> Seven wickets and a lap of the gabber. And five in the first test. Shamar Joseph. Who is he? Where's he from? What the hell? Well, let me tell you, can I first of all say that we discussed this on the show over the last couple of weeks, the good old days of the West Indies. You know, we're talking Brian, Lara, Kirtley, Ambrose. We thought they were done and dusted. They are back thanks to this absolute champion bloke. Uh, lived in it lived in a very, very small village that only just five years ago got the internet and now he's huh. become an absolute internet sensation. Uh, and look, uh, so humble. Um, look, you, you've just heard the scenes there if you didn't see it. They were bigger than uh, my horse winning at Newcastle, let me tell you, on the weekend. <laughs> but the Aussies chasing 216 to complete an almost perfect home test summer obviously wasn't to be. Now, the speeds this guy reached, 149 k's an hour with his delivery. But explain uh, the sore toe. Well, look, let, let me just tell you, 7 for 68. Uh, he wasn't even expected to play. So he hobbled off uh, on the pitch on Saturday night, struck on the toe by uh, a Yorker from uh, Mitchell Stark. So that was the most exciting thing. I think we're thinking, gosh, but he stuck it out. He said he was in heaps of pain. Uh, look, not that we saw we saw Steve Smith on the other side, not even his 91, his highest score in 16 innings, uh, was able to, to stop these West Indies and him in particular. Um, what a great well, he is. He's a kid. He's still a young guy. Uh, it was a bit of a relief, obviously, for Steve Smith. Um, wanted to mention Cam Green. He looked to be settling in nicely. Uh, three fours off Joseph's uh, first 10 balls. But as I say, the 11th, that all changed. Um, 
completely bringing him down. The Aussies were still hunting at 103 for the win. Uh, but as I say, his speed was just absolutely unbelievable and it just absolutely changed everything. And the big thing here is you've got to be careful what you wish for. Uh, we had uh, uh, Rodney Hogg, was who their motivation, they spoke about it all week. Uh, basically, Rodney Hogg had come out and said, you know, they're hopeless, they're not going to be, we'll, we'll basically fold them. Uh, well, they used that, uh, their skipper, Braithwaite, said that was their motivation all week. And it was really funny, after the actual match, he, he put it out there to Rodney Hogg and said, are these muscles big enough for you yet? Bring it on. The West Indies are back. Rocket Rodney Hogg. I remember Rocket Rodney very, very well. It was unbelievable. Well done. Shamar Joseph, folks. You remember may, him. You may not have heard about him before. He, his biggest dream, apparently, was to play in the Caribbean domestic competition one day. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he obviously wasn't dreaming big. I know. So I wonder what the next step is for him now. Unbelievable. And, this, and then, Bish, while you're there, this... Simply sensational way for Yannick Sinner to win the Australian Open. His maiden major happens in Melbourne. There it is, uh, that uh, audio, thanks to Channel 7. Well, what do you make of that? Well, let me tell you, the channel last nine. time... Well, you know what? I was obviously it? Channel 9 it was. No, it was Zep, Channel 9. Pardon me, yeah. Channel 9. That's all right. So the, the last time... I, I have to be honest. I was sort of like, yeah, and now... Uh, well, I'll watch it, won't I? The last time that we uh, didn't see like a Roger Federer, a Rafa, a Novak uh, in, in the in a, a, an Australian Open final was 19 years ago. That was back in 2005 where we saw Marit Safin defeat Leighton Hewitt. So last night to see Italian Yannick Sinner down Daniel Medvedev, who was obviously, you know, the man to beat, taste Grand Sam glory for the first time. Nick Kyrgios has declared, well, he did, leading into this, that Sinner was the new Novak, and he certainly disappointed, didn't disappoint. Uh, he was deadly. His presence on the court, unbelievable. 22 years of age, massive comeback, came from two sets uh, behind. The way he celebrated was just awesome, awesome. Animated, jumping into his coach's box to celebrate, congratulating all his teammates. He is the first Italian to win an Australian Open across the men's and the women's competition and just the third to win uh, Italian to win a major Grand Slam. Uh, it was awesome stuff. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, we'll see a lot more of him. And the interesting fact, uh, which I thought I'd mention to you guys this morning uh, in terms of the AFL, He'd actually uh, had a little bit to do with Melbourne and had enlisted Mark Williams from Port Power to uh, to, to help with, with his game. So a little bit of an, an Australian influence there, which was, was quite interesting. Just it, a, a little fact. It is story. very, very interesting. All righty. Now, you've got some Socceroos news for us. Well, look, um, they started to get a bit of a reputation for, for uh, I guess, Winnie Ugly, the specialists at it, but they got the job done last night. Still, uh, some of their effort areas, they, they really did lack. Um, but they got the result, 4-zip in Doha against Indonesia. Uh, Martin Boyle, nailed, or actually Jackson Irvine, opened uh, got, got uh, opened their scoring on the score sheet first up, and that was off an unfortunate own goal from uh, Ethan Baggett. That was in the 12th minute. Martin Boyle, now, if you get a chance... Go back, have a look at this one. He nailed the second, hurt himself in the process. He launched his body like Superman, just put it all on the line, head first into the post. But, hey, as I say, he got it done. Craig Goodwin uh, was the other scorer and also Harry Souter. Um, they will take on Saudi Arabia or South Korea, the winner of that. But, like, as I just stressed a little bit earlier, they're just going to have to find better ways uh, to win 
uh, because the competition's only going to get tougher from here. So they are through to the quarterfinals. Well done to Graham Arnold and his men. And a bit of AFL news to finish off with. Yeah, well, this is a, a mega deal. Uh, Premiership defender Isaac Quainer has just cracked it massively. Uh, last year, he cracked the All-Australian squad. He's a Collingwood player. They have locked him in big time. Uh, look, at we're talking about till the end of the decade. It's a monster contract till the end of 2029. Uh, he was part of that next-gen academy, uh, a product there. He's 24 years of age. Uh, and as I say, what you don't really hear that a lot in AFL, nor nor NRL, when you, we're talking, you know, ten year deals. But they're till 2029. Uh, they know he's, they're on a good thing. Uh, and uh, of course, Collingwood take on GWS Giant to open up their season on March 9. Bring in. Oh, take a breath. Exhausted. <laughs> it's a big day. It was a big weekend. Thank you so much for that, Bish. We will catch up again later in the week. And I think you're on the man. Are you on the man cave this week? Coming or not? back. Coming back. You're backing up. Oh, wow, you're a star. <laughs> Look at this. There she is. Um, a, a successful horse owner, Michelle Bishop. Yes, I can say that now. <laughs> what, what's the name of the horse again? Winning proposal. Winning proposal. Thanks to Nature Bee Power Pollen. We both take it and we love it. It's a religion. Powerpollen.com.au. Sport with Michelle Bishop. Have a good day, Bish. You too. Love ya. Well, the quickie hasn't gone off. There'll be a clue on our podcast shortly. Those leaving me for your brekkie shows, have a great day. Those staying with me, don't go anywhere. Plenty more still to come. News headlines with Tash Belling coming up next here on The Night Shift. Stay with us. Well, he's a little bit creepy, but he's... Harmless. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Tash. <laughs> Tash Belling is with us. Best in the business. We look at news headlines, the stuff that you're waking up to today. Uh, I know there's a, I've done a lot of sport with Bish already this morning. What an incredible weekend of sport. I, I know the sport was great, but I am still scratching my head, and I had David Littleproud on not so long ago. I cannot understand this neo-Nazi thing. Do it's, you get it? No, I don't. And it's terrifying overnight. Uh, you know, we had all these developments uh, in New South Wales, in particularly in Sydney, in certain suburbs where the, there were the, the gatherings of these uh, heavily masked... Suburban suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. And then it had happened earlier in the lead up to the long weekend. And then, of course, then there was another alleged meeting where someone from the public had actually taken photos or filmed this gathering of neo-Nazis. The New South Wales Premier has come out saying he wants them named and shamed. I think that's a great idea. Don't you? Y- yes, but what... Let's go back a bit. For I, I'm stu- I'm trying to get my head around. What's their problem? What is the what? What's their agenda? What do they want? And and why do they feel they're going to cover their faces? I think it was in the lead up to Australia Day. And what was, was the protest? Well, there was one person in particular. Well, considering what current world events are going on at the moment, uh-huh. but there was one member. And good on the police. The police are extraordinary about this. I heard an eyewitness account over the weekend saying. They were actually on a train yeah. and it was, if you remember in Sydney, it was an incredibly hot day on, it was Friday or Saturday, uh, Friday, and that uh, for whatever reason they'd got a tip off that this mm. group of heavily masked uh, neo-Nazis were on this train from Artarman, which is on the north shore of Sydney, going into the city. And I heard someone say they were on the train. Mm. All of a sudden, the train started going incredibly slowly. Mm. This is another passenger. Mm -hmm. And then swapped tracks. And then the police stormed this train at North Sydney or Waverton area there, uh, which is a short distance from the CBD. I think it's terrifying in 2024 we're seeing, or any time, seeing this uh, growing neo-Nazi 
um, extremism across the country, across the world, actually. I'm I, I a little proud he didn't know the answer. Maybe you do. Are these people from overseas bringing their dramas here or no. are these Australian-born and bred people? I think also a lot of people are being radicalised online, Luke. This isn't oh, a really? – no, I can – well, from what I can yeah. understand, a couple of the alleged offenders um, have been born and raised in Australia. All right. Look, you, you've mentioned – let's go positive now. There, sure. It was a massive weekend in sport. Did you watch the Oz Open last night? Oh, Simply sensational way for Yannick Sinner to win the Australian Open. Yeah, that, there that, it is. that audio thanks to Channel 9. Unbelievable. Yannick Sinner, as we heard there, came from uh, two sets down to love down to beat Daniil Medvedev in the Australian Open final. Incredibly, incredible comeback. And Sinner, of course, credited his family in his victory speech saying they never put pressure on him and they always let him choose whatever he wanted to do. And can I just say on a positive note, yeah. Australian of the Year, the joint winners over the weekend, what two superstars they are yeah. doing incredible work in medical research and, and cancer. Yep. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, uh, back to sport quickly. Yes. The West Indies, what about this bloke, Shamar? Shamar Joseph, Joseph. the no star had, of the show. No one had ever heard of him. Absolutely not. <laughs> That so you mentioned him, you know, star of the show, Shamar Joseph, with a busted toe. Yes, snared seven wickets despite taking painkillers for a toe injury. Ooh, is that allowed? The painkillers? Well, this is how it was explained to me. Okay, <laughs> they're not painkillers. Mm-hmm. Pain injections mm-hmm. are not performance enhancing because you start at number ten with a, with uh, at being normal. Mm-hmm. If you are injured or damaged, your performance then goes down to, say, five or four or three. The pain injection is supposed to get you back up to where normal is, Mm -hmm. not past it. So that was how pain relief and pain injections was explained to me, that they're not performance enhancing. During your elite uh, sporting career, what did you find with painkillers? Well, they were schooners back in my day, but I... uh, by the way, it's been a very long off season. <laughs> a very long, very, very long off season. A uh, the couple soc- of decades. Socceroos. Uh, unbelievable. Craig Goodwin combined with defender Harry Suta to put icing on the cake. Uh, next up is either Saudi Arabia or South Korea next weekend. As we mentioned, Socceroos into the Asian Cup quarterfinals for the fifth time after a 4 0 thumping of Indonesia. What a massive weekend of sport. Scotty Phillips, what, did, what were your painkillers during your elite sporting career? <laughs> Oh look, magic sponge, mate! Run, 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 run down with a magic sponge. Wax it on the uh, wax on the knee. Job done. You're up and away. Sure. What was on the magic sponge? I remember that. <laughs> just water, mate. It was just, the it's old, just the water. Bucket of water. Bucket of water with a sponge in it. What? A bit of a rub down. You're away. Was Denka rub performance enhancing? I tell you what, oh. it, it was. If you put Denka rub on and then went and had a leak, um, it was. Okay. It was massively performance enhancing back then. Tell me what's happening with um, with uh, inflation. 
Oh, mate, it's hard to come. So going from the weekend of sport to inflation, you've, you've set me up beautifully, Mark. No, good. No, it's good. The good news is we hope it'll come down and come down quite a bit. We had the monthly inflation numbers out a couple of weeks, half ago or so. This one's the quarterly one, mate. We're hoping inflation comes at about 4.3%. It was over 5% last quarter. This will be the lowest number in more than two years. And that's what we're all desperately hoping will let the RBA sit on its hands when it meets next week. Uh, we know inflation needs to come down. It needs to keep coming down as well, of course, to keep the RBA on the sidelines. No one's really expecting them to do anything other than hold rates. Uh, but it's one of these things when, when everyone's already expecting the good news, uh, you know, I can be disappointed. You can only have the things get worse from there. So my fingers crossed, uh, at the moment, goods inflation, the stuff we buy, is coming down pretty well. It's the services that keep uh, staying pretty high at the moment. Very quickly, Tash said earlier before she, we opened her microphone, she said, what about the Prime Minister being booed at the tennis? Did he not read the room? Did he, do you think he thought he was going to walk into the tennis as a working class hero because of his tweaking of the tax cuts? Oh, mate, probably. You know what? I'm old enough, though, mate. I used to sell ice creams at the cooker when I was a kid, and hockey had turned up there, and people are booing it. it was, it's a national sport. I thought people cheered hockey. But... Oh, they boo no, hawk as well. They boo hawk as well. And they do it with a smile. It's like booing umpires and referees. They, I, I reckon people do it with a smile on their face these days. It's a bit like, you know, when they do the wave at the SCG, and you get round to the members' area, and, and members don't go up, of course, and everyone gives them a, gives them the raspberry. It, yeah, you'd always be disappointed if they didn't do it. So, I, I don't know. Like, okay. you, you're right. He was never going to get a cheer, but uh, I'm not surprised. Okay, quickly, a look at the markets. Yeah, uh, S&P 500 was flat overnight, but Australia didn't trade yesterday. I'll oh, Friday, of course, because of Australia Day. So we're going to pick up the Friday performance out of the US and gain about four-tenths of a percent, give or take. Uh, Aussie dollar has been a bit volatile against the US dollar, but pretty flat over the weekend, 65.79 US cents. Love your work, Scotty. Have a great Monday, mate. Thank you for that. Thanks, Luke Dunning. Uh, Scotty Phillips. From Motley Fool. The Motley Fool podcast is on the listener app. Have a listen to it. It's great stuff. Thank you, Tash. Thank you. I'm so sorry about you being robbed of your extraordinary sporting career. Because of the hammy. <laughs> Correct. That I pulled running to the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Today's man to Today's man Monday is motion day, is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.